Ladies and gentlemen, we, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. This is the Hagman Time Report. Welcome, folks. Welcome to a great edition. We've got uh, so much planned for you tonight. We've got Tara from across the pond, across the ocean. Uh, Tara from Reality Calls. Folks, I, uh, please hear me. Please listen to me. All right? Um, if n- nothing else, if you do nothing else today, if you do nothing else, if you get nothing else from this program, I would... We've got to support the individuals, the people, the brave women, the brave men, the brave citizen journalists, the courageous, the the people who are taking the flack. We've got to support them in any way, shape, or form. And that means speaking out on, on social networking platforms. Support Tara from Reality Calls. She is under fire. Um, she is under fire for a lot of reasons. You see, the powers, the globalists want to, want to change everything. They want to normalize what is abnormal and the perverse. They want to make the perverse normal. They want to take normal and make it, uh, uh, make it off limits. Or if you do want your normalcy, they want to make it, uh, uh, make it uh, into a hate crime, and that's exactly what's taking place today, folks. Uh, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report again. Kind of uh, just really hot. I mean, hot, not temperature, but hot, heated. A little bit, a little bit of righteous anger here. I don't like to see. I don't like to see people who are attempting to ferret out the truth, speaking the truth. Showing, uh, showing up, playing their positions. I don't like to see them getting, uh, getting bombarded and, uh, with hate mail. I don't like to see them being threatened. In fact, uh, a threat, as far as I'm concerned, a threat to Terra or a threat to anyone searching for the truth is a threat to us. And we have to keep yeah. together in this particular, you know what, Joe, we, we do. We have to keep together in this and we have to expose the, we have to shine the light on the darkness that's out there. And there's plenty of darkness. These perverts, these morons, these idiots, these pieces of, of, of and you know, it, and, it, and about the threats, um, many people in the audience might think. Good, good save, by the way. <laughs> many people in the audience might think, well, it comes with the territory. You know, you get irate fans or ex-fans or people who listen to your show and disagree with what you say and your ideology, so they send... Oh, I don't mind disagreements. Well, right. But this is where, you know, there comes emails in the form of threats that are from people like that. But then there are threats. Yes. And, 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 you know, the way that they're worded and and, uh, they sound like they could be dangerous. If somebody had intentions behind those threats... You would take extra precautionary safety measures. Indeed, but you you don't know you know who's who. They don't say, hey, this is uh you know so and so from the CIA, and, and then we got your number. Uh, they just they, they send you know threatening vulgar emails and threatening to do harm to you and your family. Yep, and you can't tell unless you know where the threat came from. If it's a valid uh, security risk. Well, and, and this is why we have to stick together. Uh, we're we're going to be joining. Uh, we're we're going to be bringing Tara from Reality Calls on. And uh, folks, please, if you if you have a presence on any social networking platform that Tara is on, 
follow and support her. Same with Brittany Pettibone, same with uh, Andrew Kerr, everyone who is actively searching for answers, searching for the truth, whether it's Pizzagate, whether it's pedophilia, the larger, to, to expose this system of darkness. Yeah. Make sure you make your presence known and follow back these people because they need our backing prayers. Prayers, too. And, and, you know, go on. and uh, just on a quick note, I don't want to take time away from Tara, but Andrew Kerr, he was on our show yes. last week. He talked about the... Uh, crimes that that happened inside the clinton campaign with a number of organizations from money laundering to uh you know illegal um coordination between each other he wrote a great article um and that article is featured on hagman report right now if you go there uh we posted it and it was one of the top stories today and uh the title of the article uh is david brock's media matters has hidden one million yep. plus from the IRS since 2010. And he's got the evidence. He's got the screenshots, the evidence, the receipts. Folks, read that article. It's on HagmanReport.com. Uh, portions of the nice broadcast brought to you by my favorite mattress company. That's Casper Mattress. Uh, folks, go to Casper.com slash CFP radio. Which is short for Canada Free Press. Casper.com slash CFP radio. Casper.com slash CFP radio. The best mattress you'll ever, ever own. I guarantee it. Casper.com slash CFP radio. Tara from UK. Thanks for joining us. And I know it's late there. Uh, let's get into what's going on. First of all, thank you for joining us on short notice. Thank you for your time last time that you were on and, uh, What's changed since the last time you have been on, Tara? Thank you. Uh, really happy to be here with you guys. Um, I guess one of the main things that I wanted to report on today is just that um, someone tweeted at me and said, hey, look at this. So I went and looked at it, and it was a um, – I found the pedophile's account on Twitter. So uh, what I did was I went and looked at this person's friends, you know, who they are following – and it turns out there are just hundreds of um, pedophiles just openly stating that they're pedophiles on Twitter, uh, which is all the more outrageous when you realize that regular, you know, Trump supporters are just getting banned from Twitter. Milo was banned from Twitter because he um, criticized uh, an actress in a movie. You know, Twitter is very ready to ban people, um, especially people who are not supportive of people like Hillary Clinton uh, yet hundreds and hundreds of pedophiles accounts um, not only pedophile accounts accounts where they are actively um, they're engaging in activism to try to have pedophiles become a status um, it, like homosexual they literally have um Images showing how they want it to be not LGBT as in lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, transgender. They want it to be LGBTP for pedophile at the mm. end there. So they actually want to be like a recognized, protected group, uh, which if you take it to its um, kind of ultimate conclusion, it will then become a hate crime to criticize pedophiles or to say bad things about pedophiles. It's amazing. Okay. And we, we have seen this. Um, in, 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 I just 
did a search real quick here because I had uh, in my, when I was in my office earlier today, I had looked back into the uh, the the scholarly works of people, as reported by the New York Times, the Washington Post, Salon, um, uh, Progressives Today. Uh, uh, having to post a piece uh, yeah. a few months back yeah. on. Um, they're all, know, everyone's trying to normalize natural, this, this perverse. Yeah, it's, it's, hey, we're, we're, the, we're not monsters. And the, the world of academia, especially college and college professors in that environment, uh, are saying it's okay, uh, if you want to be a pedophile. It's okay if you're attracted to children. You know why? Because you were born that way. Uh, and if you weren't born that way, it's still okay because it's, uh, you know, something beautiful. And, uh, there are a number of just deviant excuses as to why they are trying uh, to legitimate, getting behind the legitimization of pedophilia. They're, they're passing it off as normal. And many said when the um, homosexual marriage Supreme Court decision came down that a lot of people objected to it, and just for this reason, that this was mm-hmm. a, a doorway to once the uh, homosexual marriage was legalized, that it would open the door for pedophilia to be normalized. No, this and go, they were right. This goes back 40 years to to this actually... Back, uh, yeah, well, millennia, but yes. Right, but I mean, this goes back 40 years uh, plus normalizing perverse and criminal behavior, which extends well beyond anything that uh, is reasonable. But Tara, so, so you've, you've found this pushback, uh, this mm-hmm. addition to the LGBTQ whatever. Yeah. 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 P, okay. Yes. Um... Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, they're calling it boy love. Okay. So, like you said, it's it's love, isn't it? You know. Um. And if they're not hurting anyone, then it's okay, right? Oh. So this is kind of like their line of reasoning, and it's terrible because it, it's like our entire society has been set up with this kind of idea. Like, oh, it's it's fine, you know. Um, it's fine to have incest now. I don't know right. if you saw Mark Dice's video about this. Right, um, yes. He yes. went around asking people, like, what would you think of, like, incest? <laughs> and, oh, it's not hurting anyone. You know, so this is, yeah, this is basically where it's going. And um, so we we also have, there's a, a, a sub-forum on Reddit, Reddit, which banned the Pizzagate investigation. They have dedicated forums for pedophiles to talk about how they're coming out to their family in the same way that homosexuals come out of the closet kind of thing. Um, and, yeah, they are they are literally trying to make pedophilia the new homosexuality. Um, these people openly put pedophile symbols that are recognized by the FBI. They, they, they use them in their profile pictures. These are the same exact symbols we've been looking at in the logos of the pizza restaurants relating to Pizzagate, these pedophiles on Twitter who openly talk about how they're pedophiles are posting as their profile photos. Okay. Now, let me ask you this. Do you believe, uh, you've got great instincts, you've got uh, uh, everything I've seen, your your work. uh, Do you believe that that the um, exposure of Pizzagate, what is known as Pizzagate, uh, do you believe that what we're seeing now with this coming out and attempting to normalize what is abhorrent is this? Do, do you look at this as as being 
perhaps a, ne- uh, a, a planned extension of the exposure to this Pizzagate or just a happy accident in, in the, so to speak, uh, in other words, it was not intended, but, but because it's out in the open now, let's, uh, let's take the next step and attempt to normalize this perverse behavior that is, uh, you know, uh, uh, lowering the age of consent for, uh, this uh, man-boy or, or whatever kind of love this might be. The impression that I get just from having looked at these accounts is that a lot of these people are very happy, um, that pedophilia is being spoken about. It's almost as though their topic of interest is getting press and whether it's bad press or good press it's somehow a good thing for them because it opens up the discussion so they they're actually these pedophiles on twitter they're embracing this stuff they're literally going and purposefully posting pictures of pizza on their accounts to like come out as pedophiles um i know it sounds insane but this is the kind of stuff we're seeing and wow. um yeah so so, so they're springboarding I, or they're using this yeah. as a as a springboard yeah. of a, a springboard really um yeah and oh, they, they oh. boast about it like they call themselves minor attracted persons map um and they're literally like hi i'm mel's i'm a young female minor attracted person who is here to find support like they they have a little support group. <laughs> so that's actually a female. And a lot of these a lot of these ones, because they all say like their name and their well they don't say their name, but they usually say like their age and stuff like that on their profiles. And they're all very young. It's it's almost as though this is like a young, trendy thing to do. We're seeing like you know, eighteen year olds, twenty year olds. This this one says, I'm male twenty one gay, non-exclusive, minor-attracted person, a.k.a. pedophile, you know, libertarian. It's like, oh, yes, here's my sexual preference and my political... My <laughs> word. Yeah, and um, that's what it is right now, so quite wow. shocking. Well, okay. Um, I, I guess the... the oh, oh, well, at the same time, too, we have this... Uh, th- this and I'll call this a normal, uh, attempted normalizing the perverse, but with this, with this initiative, we, you've got also a censorship, um, they're almost seeking to be a protected class, I, I guess is yeah. what, is what's taking place. A protected That's class. That's precisely what they want. Um, I've heard people refer to it as like a victim group. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you can't criticize us because we're, you know, the transgender group, or we're like, we're this gender pronoun, there are like 30 right. different gender pronouns, we're this one, you have to call us by it, otherwise you get fined, and if you don't pay the fine, you go to jail. Right. You know, so they, they're exercising an extraordinary amount of control over the general public, even though it's like 0.3% of population who identify as trans, transgender of some kind. Hmm. So, honestly, I don't really understand what the bigger picture is here, apart from that it's causing chaos, um, it's extremely backwards, and it's, um, yeah, it's like promoting perversion, basically. Like, it's a good thing, and that's why I'm so concerned at seeing so many of these very young people identifying as pedophiles. So, you're, the alarm that, the alarm bells that are ringing with you, 
I mean, you're at the tip, I should say, at the very tip of the spear or, or at the edge of the wave, and, and you're seeing this really go uh, explode on social networking, I guess? Yeah. Um, okay. All right. It's, it's astonishing. Um, the thing is, most people wouldn't really realize what they were looking at. It's only because I've been researching Pizzagate, I understand what their code words are, I understand what their symbols are, so I can easily recognize when someone starts saying, you know, I'm a MAP. I know that that means minor attractive person. And I, I know that that little particular symbol means that they're attracted to five-year-old boys or whatever. And, and to be clear, that this attraction can be uh, not only well below the age of consent, but into infants. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and, and folks, I mean, just consider that as, as sickening as this this whole thing is. Um, so it's not just a, a well, I, yeah, I'm going to stop there before I just, my head explodes because it, it, it's it's ridiculous at its face. And then, of course, you come out, and, and the other half of this or the other part of this is your your work that you're you're exposing everything with respect to what is known as Pizzagate, mm-hmm. posting your work, and then you're getting this immense blowback and the threats and the uh, shut up or we're going to shut you up or we're going to take you down and all this this crap that you're getting, which by the way you're handling very well. Uh, but um, um, so, so w- 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 where, do you, where do you see this going? I mean, this is I mean, this is crazy. This uh, is really, I mean, it's really a war of ideologies. Um, I think now, you know, what I'm saying is um, quite serious here, but this really is a very serious situation. I mean, we're very divided in the West. You know, some people want to go one way. They want to live in a world where it's okay to be a pedophile um, and it's okay to have 30-odd different gender pronouns that you have to call people by or else you get fined hundreds of thousands of dollars, lose your job and be put in jail. They want to live in that world. I don't want to live in that world. I know an awful lot of people who don't want to live in that world. So it's almost as though we're going to have to go our separate way. Um, you know, really? and this is yeah. yes. I mean, yeah. you know, we can't. We really. How can these people coexist in the same country? <laughs> you you can't have. A, and you're right. You cannot have a, a a different set of laws or community stands standards or morality. A, a standard of morality that 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 is inconsistent with the. Uh, well, you just can't. You can't do it. Now, I, I'm going to ask you a question. I, 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 this kind of popped into my head here, and, and maybe this has got nothing to do with anything, but is there, um, and forgive me if, if, if I don't mean to be insulting on this, but is there a religious component to this, perhaps? Now, we know that Muslims have this this approval of young marriage, marriage to young people. Is there is there any type of, from your research findings, is there any mm-hmm. type of Islamic component to this, or is it does it cover all spectrums of theology? Okay, so first of all, um, I just want to let you know that my speech here in the UK is restricted. There are literally things I'm not allowed to say regarding this topic because okay. it would be considered to be hate speech. 
and I could be put in jail for it or fined. Yeah, the laws are different in uh, Europe than yeah. they are in the United States. And, and I want people. And I want. I've seen yes, uh, people who are journalists, people who have just made comments on different articles to. Uh, you know, hassling their neighbors about their race, put in jail for hate speech. I, I would like Eric and, and, and John and everyone, I want this, I want this segment documented, uh, because this will be exhibit A in the, in our fight, I believe, uh, with respect to free speech and Tara yeah. handled this. And for the record, for those who are listening, Tara handled that very well, and I didn't mean to. Yeah. I didn't mean to set her up. That was not my intent. Oh no! But I'll tell you yeah, something. Just, it's amazing how you had to answer that question. Yeah, she has to watch that. Wow. Yeah. Well, I just want you guys to know because I know so many Americans. Obviously, I'm engaged to American, um, and they Americans don't seem to understand. We don't have free speech. You know, a lot of people in Europe they think they have free speech, but as soon as they say the wrong thing. You know, whether that's tweeting something or making a post on Facebook or doing an interview, next thing they know, they get a knock on the door of the, from the police. So, it, I mean, we, we've literally had, um, I think we've just had someone in, a guy in Denmark, uh, convicted of... Garrett Wilders. I think that's his yeah, name. I haven't been yeah. following it very closely, but this is kind of like an everyday occurrence now. Um, we just... We have people um, banned from tra- traveling to certain other countries within Europe, um, or banned from banned from um, you know speaking publicly, put in put in prison, threatened with fines, etc. And this is for things as simple as saying, "Hey, actually, we don't want floods of Muslim migrants," or "Actually, why are, why are 75% of the migrants entering the country men of fighting age?" That doesn't look like the typical profile of a refugee to me. You know, wh- why are um, two-thirds of the boys coming in as child refugees and being put into the foster care system, why are they actually adults, according to the dentists and doctors that see yeah. them? Yeah. Right. And I wrote to my member of parliament here about this, um, suggesting that perhaps we should have dentists and doctors evaluate their true age before they're led in the country as child refugees um, and I was basically told that that would be unethical so we're, we're basically hmm. we're being um, we're being forced to undergo this massive demographic change um, which is displacing the native people you know people talk about how uh, the Japanese are not having enough children to replace themselves. It, it's exactly the same numbers in Germany, but no one talks about it. Man. So, yeah, we're having these massive problems. Uh, this is not even talking about the rapes that are going on, the the gangs that are stealing children off the street and you, you know drugging them and putting them into prostitution. And then our own police will not investigate it because it's not politically correct to do so. Mm. And if you talk out about it, you get called a racist. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're just, uh, it's horrendous having to deal with this and having to, um, 
you know, wanting to explain to people what's going on because the vast majority of people, you know, they just watch the BBC, they just read The Guardian or The Telegraph or whatever, which is just run by globalists. So um, they don't really know what's going on. They can't see that within 50 years we're probably going to have a Muslim prime minister just by going by the demographic change alone because a 30% vote in this country means that you win. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, look at we, London. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't even fifty years. <laughs> yeah, you're you're already. Have, I mean, you're you're most of the way there. We we only have a couple minutes left with you, Tara. Uh, we have JB Wells coming on at seven thirty, right? Yep. Seven thirty. Uh, uh, a couple of schedule changes here, Tara. Tara in in a couple of minutes here, uh, you've got the floor. You've got the world, uh, our world audience or uh, international audience uh, listening to you. <laughs> what do you want to say that? Uh, I mean, I'll be, we'll be quiet, and, and you say whatever you'd like to the to the world that's listening. Just to finish up here, based on what we were talking about, right now, if you just do some research, you'll find this online. Um, Germany is recognizing child marriages between the Muslim migrants and children. Mm. They are allowing these 40-, 60-year-old men to be married to children uh, which, and I'm not sure if that would involve sexual intercourse or not, but it's disturbing enough the fact that they seem to think that uh, a child can opt into a contract like that, you know, when they're like six years old. Um, so, yeah, in relation to pedophilia, um, uh-huh. yeah, I mean, they have bestiality in Germany. Bestiality seems connected. There are these pedophile accounts also promoting bestiality. Uh, So, yeah. Honestly, I don't know what's going on. I don't really know why these people so much need to promote all of this kind of horrible stuff. Um, But what I do see is that there is a massive divide between people who want this and people who don't, and I don't think these two groups of people are going to be compatible in the future. So, I think it's going to cause um, some real uh, unrest, I suppose. But yeah. the main thing is that we need to, the sooner we get this in the public, um, the better. Tara, you are the beacon of truth from from the UK, and we will put this in the center arena here for the public. I want to thank you. I know it's late, and I know it's inconvenient for you to, to appear, but uh, thank you for your time. We're going to get behind you. We're going to keep... Uh, talking about this Tara from reality calls folks all follow the way her from yes and back her 100% follow her on Facebook Twitter whatever social networking site there is reality calls on Twitter follow Tara God bless you Tara talk soon It's uh, it, it's an amazing time in which we live. There is a war taking place right now. There is a spiritual war, a war in the heavens. And um, you know, I, I want to explain something to those listening to this program. I sent a tweet out that sounded rather cryptic. Jackie, Jackie was in the office, and I tweeted something out that that we are um, that you know 
that we're under a, a big PR assault and people aren't who they say they are. And she said, well, what does that mean? And, and see, what I meant, when, you, when you're limited in characters, again, crypt, being cryptic was not my intent, but when you're limited in characters, what I meant to say or what I meant by that was very simply, as we talk about Pizzagate, as we talk about uh, spiritual spirit cooking, as we talk about these people who are involved in this this morass, this moral bankruptcy, spiritual bankruptcy, you get the trackers who come out and, and assault the facts, assault us, uh, because they say, well, gee whiz, uh, you don't have any evidence, or you're making things out of whole cloth. You're making, uh, uh, you're attempting to cast, uh, cast the, uh, the, the, these suspicions over innocent people. All right. So the people would, would I, with the intent of that, tweet, I guess, to, to explain it. Not that I got any blowback from it, but just to prevent any potential blowback is to is to say that there are people out there who will come to the defense of people, for example, uh, named within the Podesta emails or the artist involved in this kind of activity. And they're not representing themselves. They're, they're, and in fact, many times they're not who they say they are. And that's kind of the basis of that just to take the mystery out of it. It's not that, you know, um, it's really simple. So, but we have to be careful as we, as we progress. I did an interview with, uh, the SGT report today and, uh, Sean from the SGT, SGT report. What a marvelous man he is, a uh, uh, young guy and what a very, very astute invest citizen journalist. He's got a degree in journalism and he, we spoke, uh, at length today. And we talked about this very topic, and of course, he said, you know, obviously we're going to get, probably get censored from this. Well, you heard Tara from, from the UK, and you heard specifically in the, in the previous segment we did, her saying, there's things I just can't talk about because I will be arrested for hate speech. Ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you, that is coming to America. She said as much, and it's, well, it's already here. It's already here. And again, that, that speaks to the tweet I sent out. Uh, Jackie, uh, you know, she, my, my daughter is beautiful. She said, why don't you let me do that? You just tell me what you want, what you want to say and I'll, I'll, I'll tweet for you because, you know, you're not getting the hang of this. Um, it, it's funny. I mean, she, she did it in a very loving way, but, uh, I, I love it. So anyway, uh, before we move on, folks, I do want to say that I sleep great at night. Man, I, I get the best sleep ever because I sleep on a Casper mattress. We have, uh, my wife and I have a King Casper mattress in the master bedroom. And of course, usually when I'm late at night or early in the morning, I, I will sleep in the guest room, my room, so to speak. Well, actually, my wife calls it my room and ladies room. Casper mattress, they've got the best mattresses bar none out there. Do not settle for any other mattress than a Casper mattress from Casper.com slash CFP radio. You know, Christmas is right around the corner. And if you want to do yourself and your your wife, your husband, your family a favor, get a Casper mattress for Christmas. This is the best Christmas gift I can think of. Casper.com slash CFP radio. Casper's an online retailer premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. They cut out the middleman. You don't have to go to a showroom to buy your mattresses, which the showrooms mark mattresses up incredibly because they're the middleman. Now you can go directly to casper.com slash CFP radio for your mattress. And if you put in CFP radio, you need to do that. The promo code CFP radio, once you're there, 
you'll get $50 off your purchase toward your purchase of a mattress. Now, you know, folks, mattresses can cost upwards of well over $1,500 if you've gone mattress shopping lately. They don't have to. They don't have to. Casper mattresses cost between 500 for a twin size mattress, 600 for a twin XL, for example, uh, to, to 950 tops for a king size mattress. They understand that buying mattresses online can have consumers wondering, well, how is this possible? And, well, it's convenient. First of all, let me talk about the convenience very, very quickly here. Buying a Casper mattress is risk free. They wouldn't do this if they were certain, if they were not certain that you would, you, that you wouldn't love this mattress. I have not, by the way, I have received emails and I've talked to people who have purchased Casper mattresses and everyone has been absolutely satisfied. Casper offers free delivery and returns within a hundred day period. It's just that simple. And you know, statistically, we, we lay in bed for what? For, uh, uh, the third of our life. How are you going to even test a mattress? Uh, how are you going to test a mattress, uh, you know, by lying on it for four minutes in the showroom? How? That's why Casper Mattress is offering the 100 days uh, uh, trial of free return. It's the right bed for you, just to determine whether that's the right bed for you. They've turned the buying process into a risk-free experience. They understand the importance of truly trying out a mattress that in all reality, again, you're going to be laying on for a third of your life. Now, they've got an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. Just the right sink, just the right bounce. They combine two technologies, latex foam and memory foam. They combine that together for a better night's sleep, brighter days, risk-free trial, return policy. Again, try it for 100 days. Free delivery and painless returns. Made in America. Made in America, folks. And, and once more. 500 for a twin size, 950 for a king, everything in between, you can't go wrong. Folks, casper.com slash CFP radio. Use the promo code CFP radio at the time of purchase to get $50 off toward your purchase of a mattress. And, and, and they have doggy beds. Lady has it on her Christmas list. They've got small, medium, large beds for your dog. Isn't that great? Casper.com slash CFP radio promo code CFP radio. Thanks for, you know, I just, I enjoy my Casper mattress. I just love it. And it's the only mattress I really, and I've, I've stayed in five, five star hotels. And let me tell you something. I cannot, uh, get a good night's sleep. Uh, those mattresses have nothing on a Casper mattress. That's the why I love is not a five star hotel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> anyway, uh, when, you know, when we have been treated to, uh, certain times, it's uh, it's it's just a, again, Casper is a great mattress, and I've I've actually I I talk about my neighbor a lot. I've actually talked him into buying a Casper mattress. This is some time ago, and he loves it. So CasperMattress.com/slash/CFPRadio or Casper.com/slash/CFPRadio. That's Casper.com/slash/CFPRadio. All right, now you heard Tara from across the pond talking about the. Uh, the censorship that she's experiencing, or the, yeah, that, that the she normalization of pedophilia, yeah, as yep. well as uh, during that conversation, it came up the uh, words and language that she had to move away from, as hate speech is uh, something that is on the crackdown in Europe, and they are labeling speech as hate speech that is not even offensive. 
which is very scary. It's a very scary precedent to to set. Luckily, in this country, we have the Second Amendment, which protects our First Amendment rights. But even so, with just with the First Amendment, we see the move towards hate speech being uh, not only has it been politicized, but now it is becoming um, an issue of do we, as citizens, as uh, you know, regular everyday people, deserve free speech? And they want to criminalize speech here in America, but in London. The wrong comment you make on the internet. In the UK, that is. In the UK, yeah. And the, if you make the wrong comment on on a website, you say the wrong thing on the radio. You even are in the street and make a, a, a we'll say even just a, a rude racial remark towards somebody else. You can get charged with hate speech. That is how uh, just absolutely backwards our political system is. It's the opposite of a democracy. It is a complete totalitarian dictatorship or totalitarian system of government where all behavior is controlled, all speech is, is, is controlled, and they are criminalizing certain aspects of speech, even though they may not be offensive. And that's a slippery slope, and we face that here in this country. I don't think it's something we'll have to worry about um in the long run or as a major part of uh, any movement politically, but it is something we need to keep in the back of our minds because many areas across the world in separate countries are dealing with these issues. Well, and it deals, it, it falls in the category of tolerance. It co- falls in the category of, uh, you know, the snowflake generation of, um, you know, the, mostly the left and it's interesting because the left will like to label all the stuff as, as hate speech at the same time use the same hate speech to uh you know tear down their opposition um, it, it's a very backward system it's political corruption it's crony uh, politics and uh, you know they're legislating themselves all of them are legislating their, themselves into a jail cell we have to really understand, and if if people have followed the homosexual movement, uh, whether this well, the so-called legalization through the, by the Supreme Court, if you followed it before that, remember there was a book uh, Hunter Madsen and Marshall Kirk wrote uh, um, uh, after the ball. How America will conquer its fear and hatred of the gays in the ni- in the nineties. This is a book that's. In fact, I think it might even be available on PDF on the internet. But the homosexual propaganda campaign in America's media set the stage back in the late eighties, early nineties, in earnest for what we're seeing today. There are many scholarly articles on this. There are many scholarly reports. There are many uh, entries such as from the New York Times and the Washington Post and other websites that are saying, look, you you take it from homosexuality and you go into pedophilia. It's a normal, normal course of behavior. And they're attempting to normalize the perverse. But when you understand, for example, uh, the the uh uh the organized and this is an organized orchestrated objective of the perverse in well the global perverse i'll just call it that the um 
the globalists who are adherent to the perverse. You see it in spirit cooking. You see that, that spiritual perversity, the moral and spiritual bankruptcy. They're attempting to take our normal sexual behaviors, marriage between a man, between a man and a woman, and make that not the normal and accepted, but the exception. And they're doing it through desensitization. They're doing it through jamming, and they're doing it through conversion. And this is explained, their tactics are explained in scholarly articles about Hunter, uh, uh, Madsen, uh, Marshall, uh, Marshall Kirk and Madsen's book, After the Ball. And they, that book there, After the Ball, explains what their objectives are and how they intend to do this. So when you see the bathrooms, in each one of these issues, People had written to us and said, why are you spending time on talking about this bathroom issue? Why is it so important about Target? Why why does it make that much of a difference? It makes a difference, folks, because this, each one of these are incremental steps to this normalization of the perversity of, of behavior. What Tara said uh, from the U.K., what's taking place there in the U.K., and it, all across Europe is really is has been exported from the United States, imported in Europe, but refined in Europe and is being exp- exported back to the United States, and this is called global globalism. This is what we have been fighting against. This is what the Hillary Clinton Foundation, uh, the Hillary Clinton objective, the the, uh, the globalists, the, the people in power that have been in power for the last uh, eight years in the White House. The people who want to, uh, well, this is their objective, is to normalize the perverse. And in so doing, they create the, they destroy our, our culture. They destroy our ideology, our morality. And most importantly, they attack our faith. They attack our Christian faith. And, uh, this is where the, the rubber meets the road here when our Christian faith is subjugated to a, an agenda of perversity, folks. This is where the fight is going to be engaged in a heavy way. When we lose our religious exemptions, for example, when we lose our ability to object because of our religious beliefs, which has already happened in this country, whether it's through Obamacare on the abortion issue or whether it's uh, being a civil servant on the homosexual issue, and even, and I have to go back to this, even changing the language from homosexual to gay. Don't use the word gay. There's nothing gay about being a homosexual. There's nothing, there is no such thing as gay marriage. In the words that are being introduced into the lexicon of the English language, they are attempting to program our behavior. We have to stop it. We have to recognize it, and we have to stop it. Now, I have no doubt in my mind that we're probably going to get another envelope box or whatever of used condoms mailed to our studio as as pretty much like clockwork. You see, because <laughs> that's what they do. When when the people who oppose our freedom to talk about what is intolerant to us and the intolerance to us is the tolerance to perversity, then they take action. Then they go to the sponsors or they go to uh, stations or, or people that, that run the program or, or uh, people that post the show 
and they say these people are, are homophobes, they're bigots, and they're racist, and they're misogynists, and on and on, whatever, xenophobes, uh, you know, you name it, we get accused of it. This is where the fight is at, and this is, folks, you're going to be involved in this. You already are involved in this, and I'm sure this is a discussion that you've had with family members, friends, coworkers. But see, it's not an encroachment anymore. It's been emboldened in our society. It's not incremental anymore. It's in your face, and we have to put a stop to it we and, have, in order for us to okay, go on. And if you notice, it's only the left who pushes these campaigns of censorship against things that they don't like, which also falls into the things that, you know, they say Americans find offensive and whatnot. You know, while they ban uh, these, an example here, Texas school bans Charlie Brown Christmas poster. And uh, the article goes on to talk about the less war against Christianity and Christmas continues to move forward and the Lord has been and continues to be removed from all areas of the public. Um, you know, we talked about last year about uh, an organization moving to ban Bibles from hotel rooms to different schools, banning the word Christmas. And um, it, it's just unbelievable. These people are tolerant until they find something they disagree with, with then the intolerance kicks in. And it's all one-sided. It's all uh, you know, just, um, it, it's disgusting. And then back to the pedophilia issue, issue, uh, normalizing pedophilia. That's okay in their world. You know, that, that's just, um, you know, the way you're born or, uh, it's like a, uh, um, a gender, you know. You might want to just choose to be a woman. Well, you might want to just choose to be a pedophile, or that might be your preference. You should not be ashamed at who you are, is what they will say. But they are doing exactly what the Bible described would happen in the last days, which is turning good into evil and evil into good, promoting unrighteousness and doing so under the guise of uh, promoting, promoting morality. We have the morality police that are on the left, yet the only thing they police are things they oppose. And there are several Bible verses that sum this up so nicely. My favorites are in Romans because it deals with not only the perversion of creation, but the perversion of the human mind. And I'm not going to go through. Uh, Pastor Langford will be with us later, later, so I'll let him... Uh, talk about this uh, a little bit, but not only did they uh, pervert the creation, uh, pervert the creator, and and worshipped the creation more than the creator, they have promoted evil and turned evil into good in their eyes, and turned good into evil, and these people are doing this, and this is, I mean, the spiritual agenda behind what we see right now directly pertains to these verses in Romans about becoming uh, uh, about turning good to evil and turning evil to good in their eyes in their eyes and it is uh, you know very upsetting to see as Christians you know we pray for these people we wish that the Lord would remove this behavior this thought process from 
our society and from the world, but unfortunately it's been in our world since almost the beginning, since man had sinned. And when we look back at the Old Testament and the stories in the Old Testament, the human race needed to be wiped out because nothing but evil were their thoughts continually. And that's all they thought about, nothing but evil continually. And and Abraham could not find even ten righteous men in Sodom. Five righteous men in Sodom. And we're getting to a point now with, uh, you know, most advancements uh, in technology or medicine are are fantastic. They're miraculous, but they can be used as a two-edged sword. We see technology being used to further in advance and promote evil, whether it's through pornography or whether it's through... Uh, you know, uh, consolidating the economy into a digital one world economy. Uh, technology could be used for the spread of truthful information. Instead, it's used to convolute, uh, to misinform and, and to confuse people. And it, it's just very sad to see everything that has applications of, of making things so much better being used and spun into this evil cesspool and I guess it's only accepted or expected because we're in the world and the things of this world are not of well, God. We we are in this world. We are we have to be in this world because that's where I mean yes. we exist Physically, in this we need world. To be now. In this world mentally and spiritually we uh, need to I, be with I, the I Lord, get all that you know? but 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 the but the battle that is being waged here in the physical of course is in the spiritual i understand that but what we're dealing with here is the perversity of levels that we have not seen since the days of sodom mm-hmm. uh gen- the question is asked of course do genetics define one's morality or do genetics determine morality for example as a question a major argument of home the homosexual lobby and believe me the homosexual lobby is even though uh, you're talking about maybe three percent maybe three percent mafia um well really yeah it, it, it's the same sex attraction is they say is genetically determined that's a lie from the pit of hell yeah and then of course you have the social police as you had mentioned before coming in and saying well you can't say this or you can't say that they've changed the the, the diagnostic uh the DSM, the, the manual for uh, uh, diagnoses, back in 2013, uh, created. Uh, uh, they made some a number of different changes, including creating. Let me just. Seventy three. DSM three. DSM, the the latest one. DSM five. Uh, so. Uh, in 1913, the Diagnostics and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders changed the classification of para- paraphilias, for example, as a whole. Now, paraphilia is a non-typical sexual behavior. What happened was they placed a consensual clause in, in it. Uh, but, but anyway, for pedophilia to be classified as a mental health disorder, it must cause distress to yourself or another injury to death or another or have a sexual, or have sexual desires about those unable or unwilling to consent. They're trying to change that. I'm getting to the point where I'm getting to this point. They're attempting to change this. And, uh, of course, the age of consent, uh, doesn't matter. So you, if you, if you are attracted to an infant as perverse as it sounds, that, of course, is normal and, uh, or is a sickness at worst and it should not be treated as a crime. So how does this tie into what we're seeing with, with the spirit cooking, with, uh, with the Pizzagate as, as it's discussed? 
It's As a, a decay of morality. It, well, it's not only that, but it, they're using things like the spirit cooking to normalize this perverse behavior of sexuality, this moral decay. And they are attempting, while they're talking, while they're hiding this in plain sight, they're being more overt of late. So the bottom line is this as we're getting close to the top of the hour. The bottom line is this. We, they, they are attempting to, to, to take Christians, paint them as intolerant, okay, which Christians as a whole are more tolerant than any, any religious group around, uh, when we shouldn't be. And they're attempting to impose other, um, other behaviors over this Christian, uh, um, uh, this Christian uh, belief to subjugate Christianity to the state religion. And in the end, this is how it's going to all play out. So this is all connected, and, and spirit cooking was a glimpse, or is a glimpse, as is Pizzagate, is a glimpse into the, the playbook of the globalists. Okay? Understand, there's more to it than a one pizza shop, one person, Not one email section, whatever. But yes. the playground of the globalists with Pizzagate... Yeah. Well, all right. Now we had a we had a schedule change. We, we had scheduled on tap for tonight. Wolfgang Helbrick or Helbig was going to come on tonight. Uh, the investigative journalist of Sandy. Right now, at the I mean moments before the show, and well earlier, he had a court case yesterday. He's an investigator about Sandy Hook. Long story short, we're going to have J.B. Wells come on because J.B. Wells had communicated a lot with uh, Wolfgang. And JB is going to, going to provide information about Mr. Helbrig, what, what's going on there, what's going on with Sandy Hook to get, because today is the, uh, the, I don't want to say anniversary. It does, uh, mark what the fourth the year, I believe, since Sandy Hook. So folks, remember right back. You're listening to the Hagman Report. Go to HagmanReport.com for news information analysis, Hagman and Hagman for show information. And of course, follow us on our social networking as well. You're listening to us on the Global Star Radio Network, YouTube Live, and Blog Talk Radio. Stay right where you're at. Truth. Now, hopefully, you you come to the Hagman Report, listen to the Hagman Report, watch the Hagman Report, invest your time, and we don't want to squander your time. Hopefully, that you leave at the end of the program better informed than you were when you arrived. That's our goal, and we will always endeavor to uh, uh, to, to make sure that we deliver the product intended. Uh, coming up is going to be John B. Wells, of course, from Caravan to Midnight. Uh, he's on the story about Sandy Hook. Now, there's been so much speculation about Sandy Hook. I'm going to just kind of get into this just briefly. So much speculation. There was a false flag. No one died. Everyone died. It, 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 it just, it, it's, it's, what a mess. That's all I can say is what a mess. Now, Wolfgang Halbig is, is a guy that, He's got law enforcement credentials, incredible law enforcement credentials. Um, he he's, was investigating Sandy Hook 
is involved in a number of pieces of litigation, uh, a series of litigation. In fact, he's just came back today, I believe, from a, a hearing in Connecticut, and he was scheduled to come on tonight. And uh, he had called John and said, can't do it, can't do it. And it had to do with uh, a number of threats that were issued. It's my understanding. I'm not 100% certain on this, but uh, I believe there was there were a lot of issues that uh, prevented Wolfgang from coming on. So uh, in his place, John Wells, who has interviewed him a new number of times, uh, and talk to him about Sandy Hook is going to come on and, uh, give us the version, uh, of, San- of Sandy Hook. Now, if, if everyone knows John, John B. Wells, Caravan to Midnight, everyone knows that John is, is, a a very reasonable gentleman. I mean, he, he understands what the issues are. He approaches things without hysteria. He approaches things in a very orderly fashion. And, and what his findings are, I mean, he, he approaches things as we do, uh, with, with very methodically. And, and that's, I really, I really appreciate that about John. So, uh, we're going to give a, get a thumbs up here when he, when he's on. And, uh, but before we bring him on, folks, Christmas is bearing down upon us. And if you're looking for that perfect gift, omahasteaks.com, favorite website omahasteaks.com and in the search bar put HH you know if you're struggling to find that perfect gift for someone who has it all omahasteaks.com search bar HH that's the place to go if you're looking for that perfect gift let me tell you about what I found in fact what I found for under $50 49.99 you can get my family gift back when you go to omahasteaks.com and enter code HH in the search bar. It's a 77% savings. Folks, I've had so many compliments, so many comments about the gifts I've sent, and I've I've used every item in this gift box, and it's a value, and the quality is unsurpassed. Right now, Omaha Steaks is giving all of us, you, me, exclusive savings. All right? Listen to everything that they've packaged for under $50. Two filet mignons, two top sirloins, four uh, boneless chicken breasts, two boneless pork chops, four kielbasa sausages. And I could stop there, and there's your $50 worth of food. I mean, top quality food. I have to go on because more is contained. Four kielbasa sausages, four burgers, 12-ounce package of all-beef meatballs, four potatoes au gratin, four caramel apple tartlets, one Omaha steak seasoning packet, which just makes the steaks, oh, wow, steakhouse, I mean, it's steakhouse quality, but that, that flavor, you know that unique flavor? You can have that at home. Plus, you get four additional kielbasa sausages free. Folks, go to omahasteaks.com. Enter our code HH in the search bar and add the family gift back to your cart and get a 77% savings. It's a gift guaranteed to be a hit, and we've sent them out for Christmas. I would urge you, if you want to be a hero and uh, just take all of the fret, worry, and hassle out of your shopping, omahasteaks.com, HH in the search bar, my family gift back, and continue shopping. They've got over 500 gourmet gift ideas as well. OmahaSteaks.com, HH in the search bar. Now we have radio show host of Caravan to Midnight, Mr. J.B. Wells. Uh, Mr. Wells, it's been a while since we've had you on. It's great to talk to you. Good to talk to you both. Thanks for asking me on. 
Hey, well, John, thanks for coming on. Uh, we were talking earlier. We, we were, well, I think you know the backstory. The backstory is this. We, uh, we had scheduled, uh, Wolfgang Helbig to come on our program, talk about Sandy Hook because of, well, this marks, uh, I don't, I hate to say the word anniversary, but today's the anniversary, I believe, of, uh, the Sandy Hook, uh, incident. And, uh, you, You've been investigating this for quite some time. You've had Wolfgang on your program, a uh, very informative program. Folks go to Caravan to Midnight and, and look up uh, John's uh, interviews. But i got to ask you, what's going on with this? What's going on with Sandy Hook? What have you found uh, um, in your in your research and investigation of this, of Sandy Hook, and especially in particular with Wolfgang? Well, I appreciate your um, I appreciate your uh, wanting to talk about this. I don't want to give anybody the idea that I'm out there with my Sherlock Holmes glass, right. you know, and my special hat on, you know, looking for, for clues. There are plenty of clues as to the uh, veracity of the official narrative all around. And let me just name a few. How is it? Gosh, where to start? All right. All right, first of all, I saw this as it was supposedly happening live, right? Yep. Watching this on television. I believe it was WABC had their news helicopter up there. And there's been a shooting. Oh, and here goes a guy running through the woods with a black hoodie on and gray, black, and white camo, winter camo pants on. Cops have got him down. Two cops have got him down. <clears throat> Next time I see this guy sitting in the front seat of a police car, looks at the TV news camera and says, I didn't do it. So, question number one, when's the first time you've seen, when is, have you ever seen a, um, a suspect in the front seat of a police car ever? I haven't, ever. Number two, when's the last time you saw somebody who had just been detained for running through the woods at the scene of a school shooting where children were supposedly murdered? who's not only sitting in the front seat of the police car, but is permitted to speak to the press, a member of which is holding a TV camera, and he says, I didn't do it. Well, if you, you'll have to have had better luck than I have had to ever see that clip again, because now what you'll see is a blonde-haired guy saying, yeah, the guy came by here a while ago, and, and he looked at us and said he didn't do it. Okay, well, no, he looked at the TV camera and said he didn't do it. To which I would respond, you didn't do what? And his response would probably be, well, I still didn't. You know, it's a real three-stoogery there. So then, oh, good Lord. And then, Wolfgang Halbig begins asking some questions. He's a school safety uh planner and deployer of the school safety techniques, national school schools, specifically school safety expert, along with being a former Florida State trooper. Now, look, just because somebody is a, well, you know, several people saw the flying saucer, including a policeman. Oh, well, then if a policeman saw it, well, then it must be true. No, policemen, FBI agents, CIA, and everybody else are just people. But, Okay. But he is a former state trooper. Got to give him that. And he yep. is a former National School Safety uh, Administration advisor, yep. uh, counselor, and planner for various schools to implement school safety programs. Well, that's right. 
Florida State Troopers come to his house in Florida and tell him, if you don't stop asking questions, they're going to arrest you. In fact, I don't think they were actually state troopers. I believe they were homicide detectives. But, I mean, pick one. Were they wearing the smart uh, military-esque uniform or were they, were they wearing the polyester suits? I don't know if it was one of those two, but I, could, but I believe he said homicide detectives. Okay. Now, we've sent um, a crew of people up there <clears throat> on more than one occasion. up to Caravan, Caravan and Midnight crew, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. our, our own crew people. That, uh, right. we, we got some contractors on, on a list, and we called some of them. We said, go up there and take a look. They stayed real close with Wolfgang, and, and largely what they got was a, a lot of, you know, pretty boring footage. You, you've seen some of it. But one of the more intriguing ones was that um, that governor up there, Malloy, he did say on camera, on camera, that the FBI had uh, given them a heads up that something like this might happen. Okay. Wonder why really? they would do that. Now, there's other stuff. The school does not look like anything other than a disused space that was formerly a school. This did not look like a school that any one of us would want to send our kids at all. At the time, like sort of a, a ghetto school. Yeah, four years ago in 2012. And yeah. When this happened, yeah. right. Okay, all right. Now they've done the same thing that they did at Waco. And they've destroyed the crime scene because the Sandy Hook school is no longer there. It's been bulldozed. So they tell so these people, whether they're homicide detectives or whether they're state troopers, doesn't matter. Really, they're policemen. Mm-hmm. Go to his house and tell him they're go they are going to arrest you if you don't stop asking questions. Now what exactly is that supposed to mean? Now let's let's jump over to this kid, Jonathan Reich. He was trying to, to contact the medical examiner, I believe, either the medical examiner or the coroner. Never did talk to the person and received a charge of a misdemeanor telephone harassment. Okay? Misdemeanor charge. Wow. Okay. He's now sitting on Rikers Island after been after having been arrested at his parents' home by U.S. Marshals. The Federal U.S. Marshals Service showed up at 5-something in the morning, shackled him, and took him to uh, put him on Rikers Island. Rikers Island, folks, is a notorious hive of criminality and despair. It's been horrible. There. Been there, and it's not pleasant. Well, the judge says he wants to keep him there as long as he can, so he's going to keep him there 90 days. Oh. How does a misdemeanor telephone harassment charge turn into a $50,000 bill for your attorneys and turn into the U.S. Marshal Service coming to your parents' house to arrest you, arrest you, arrest you over a misdemeanor charge. Okay, then we'll pop into the, the stuff that the Wolfgang's done himself. <clears throat> He's asked, who are the children? Where's the list of the children that went and sang at the Super Bowl, the Sandy Hook Choir? Crickets. Mm-hmm. Well, show me a, par- a parental release form. More crickets. But this was really the best one. Forget all the photographs for the moment of the hole in the glass that now, what, almost a dozen SWAT guys in full gear? They look like the Michelin man. They're, they're wearing so much gear. But they all went through this hole in, in the plate glass. Oh, okay. Hmm. What are all these, who are all these people out there in the parking lot, these various pictures of whom have been taken? 
hurt DHS people and strike bad to the bone that, but they're all federal and a few state policemen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, Wolfgang Halbig comes down to Arlington, Texas here, located between Dallas and Fort Worth, and goes to the company that builds the dash cams, because the uh, the dash cam footage that, that uh, Wolfgang requested under Freedom of Information was provided to him, but the timestamps time weren't on the, um, the CD or the DVDs that he was given. So he took them to the company that actually makes the dash cameras and asked them, can you pull the timestamps off of these? And they said, yeah. So he was there for a couple hours. They came out and he goes, did you got them? He said, yeah, we recovered them and you have to leave right now or we're going to call 911. Uh-huh. Okay. Right. Now let's bounce back over to the children. Another set of 26 children went and sang at, uh, I want to say it's Yankee Stadium. It's still there, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, Yankee Stadium. Right. Okay, so where are the, the Super parental Super release forms Sorry. for that? And who are those kids? And why, if this is such a big deal, wouldn't you publicly acknowledge them? That, that's Wolfgang's uh, point. I, I don't think I would have taken issue with that, but it's just another question that he came up with that they just can't seem to answer. But here's the best one. <laughs> right there on our cameras, the first selectman of Newtown, Connecticut, is on our video camera being asked questions by Wolfgang Halbig's attorney. And the lady attorney said... When was the sign that says everyone must check in? If you've ever been to any movie shoot at all that involved more than, you know, a dozen people, everybody, there's a sign always that says everyone must check in. Okay. And this sign that I'm talking about is one of those orange ones with the yellow lights on it. You can change the message on it, and it's on wheels, and you can stand it next to a highway construction project. Everybody's seen one at one time or another, almost. Everybody. When, when was the sign placed there outside the uh, at, at the driveway for the at the Sandy Hook School and the first selectman? Now keep in mind that the first selectman, nothing gets done in that town without the approval of the first selectman. I don't care if it's the mayor, I don't care if it's the chief of police or the fire marshal or who it is. Nothing gets done there unless the first selectman signs off on it. So this is the first selectman, who's a, a lady, who's being questioned. So when was the sign put there? The response was three days before the event. And who put it there? You know what the first selectman answered? Why, the Department of of Homeland Security. And the audience went, Hmm. So my question is, now, why would the Department of Homeland Security have a sign out there like that? Trooper One, the helicopter, was supposed to have been airborne, right? Wolfgang's been trying to get the, uh, and, and you can get them. There's nothing that would prevent you from getting them except going through the proper channels of request. But Trooper One more than likely was not flying that day. And there are a number of policemen that were supposed to be uh, on the job. But uh, no dash cam footage. Wolfgang, how big has been... You know, here's the thing. It's the same thing as with Barack Obama's birth certificate. If he had gone before the country since he's so interested in Jim Crow laws and slavery and segregation and every anti 
black person policy that's ever been implemented going all the way back to before the Civil War. <clears throat> if he was so, if he's so interested in that, why would he not have secured his birth certificate and said, this is my birth certificate? This is a judge who certified this as a correct copy, or this is the judge who certifies that this is an original. And this is just a perfect example of how racist, bigot, bigot forces in this country are trying to marginalize me by suggesting that I'm not a legitimate citizen. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't he play that card? Well, the answer is he can't play it. Because the other part is that... Um, is that... Um, sorry. No worries. His birth certificate says... He's, I believe he was born in 61 or 62, and his birth certificate says African-American. Well, the term African-American wasn't used in 1961 or 62. Loretta Fuddy, the Hawaiian health director, the one who was responsible, responsible for certifying the birth certificate, is the only fatality in what they call a crash. But it wasn't a crash. It was just a hard landing. Oh, yeah. Catastrophic engine failure. That was a Cessna caravan. They don't have catastrophic engine failures. That does not happen because it was a commercial aircraft. And commercial aircraft have to be inspected thoroughly by certified, not only airframe and power plant mechanics, but they must have... Um, IA, which is Inspection Authority. Right. And those logbooks have to be maintained meticulously because, let me tell you, the FAA doesn't fool around with people. A, a guy recently down here that uh, some of us knew got in trouble because he allowed some people to talk him into um, something to do with a propeller hub, and they, they wanted him to uh, backdate the, uh, the repair. Somehow or another, this guy fell for it. And he wound up doing two years in the federal lockup. I mean, the, the, the feds are real serious about forging paperwork, particularly on aircraft. I, I think that is, I mean, seriously, uh, $400 for a set of 12 spark plugs? You bet, because they're aircraft yes. spark plugs. Yep. So that thing has a turbine engine in it, meaning it's a little jet engine that, that turns the prop. And you don't have catastrophic engine failures uh, unless a goose flies into the intake, and that's not going to happen. And it didn't happen, but she's the only fatality. And then it seems that there was a, now I wasn't there, so I don't know, but it seems that there was a, a, a Navy operation in progress, a bunch of frogmen in the water. There's this, oh, this yeah. gal that's got a website called Butter Dezillion. We've had her on. I think it's yep. an insane website name, but uh, she's got all those photographs there. And you see all these people in the water and, and you just wonder why, Loretta, oh, she had a heart attack and just, and just died. Oh, mm -hmm. okay. That sounds like, uh, okay, Lee Harvey Oswald killed Kennedy, and Ruby kills Lee Oswald, and then he dies of cancer in the hospital. Bye-bye. Case closed. Everybody's gone. So there was no righteous indignation from uh, Barack Obama over his birth certificate. Correct. And there was no righteous indignation from uh, anybody that has anything to do with Sandy Hook, except for Lenny Posner. Lenny Posner, who apparently has more than one name, but more on that later from Wolfgang himself. His son, Noah, was tragically killed at Sandy Hook. 
Well, how did Noah's picture wind up on a sign in Pakistan after there had been a shooting or a drone or something blew up over there? And there were a bunch of people. I thought it was a drone strike or a missile or something, but uh, someone told me later that, that it was actually a shooting, but that's just what they said. I don't know. The only thing that I, that I know is that I saw this kid's picture on a, on a placard that somebody was holding out there like they hold at the protest, you know, one of those kind of protest signs with his picture on there. I mean, this is the same kind of hooey that we went through with the uh, with the Boston Marathon bombing. Let's just right. talk about that for a second, since all of that happened under Obama's watch. We see this guy, he's just had his legs blown off, right? Looks just like a guy who's sitting around with a couple of other guys that had their legs blown off, except for one thing, they're all in military uniforms, and the picture was taken in the Middle East. Looks just like him. But here he comes, he's being rolled down the street with his shattered little shin bones sticking down, and he's sitting upright in the wheelchair. Uh, so my questions are, number one, why is this man still conscious? Number two, how is he able to sit up in a wheelchair without practice? Because if you don't have your legs, all you'll do is fall out of the wheelchair right straight onto your face. And number three, why is he not bleeding out? Well, the answer is, those are prosthetic legs. Remember the uh, remember the idiot moron woman who's going, going making all these wounded cow noises while her clearly effeminate boyfriend is going, make it stop, just make the fireworks stop, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. this mooing, distressed cow is taking a video selfie of herself in distress. Yes. And every time we hear something about someone wounded at, at the Boston Marathon bombing, it's they lost a leg. Not an eye or a testicle or a, a hand or a finger. It's always a leg. They lost a leg. That's, that's phony, too. Boston Globe ran a story about the exercise being run, what, the day before or something like that? So, look, this government is, is a fraud. And all of this, what they thought they were going to do, fellas and audience, they thought that they were going to duplicate the same effect that occurred when that lunatic really did shoot a bunch of school kids in Scotland. And then, you know, like two days later, two weeks later, they just went, whatever it was, it was a very short length of time, the government came around and just picked up everybody's firearms and took them away and disarmed the whole U.K. Well, you can have a pistol, but you have to store it down at your gun club. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. You can have a shotgun, but only under very, very strict regulations. Well, they thought they were going to get the same out of here. Who could resist? Now, what kind of people would not insist on nationwide gun confiscation or at least, at least draconian measures taken to ensure that this cannot happen again? If we arrange for a bunch of school children to be massacred by another kid. I mean, just like that idiot Hillary Clinton talking about how we have to be sure that toddlers don't get guns. Toddlers. Oh. Yeah. Yes, two yeah. guns, toddlers, yeah. packing 44 mags and 45 ACPs, and they're just ready to get it on. Those toddlers, you got to watch out for them, you know? So, I don't know what kind of idiots we've, we've really been for these last eight years. But it was refreshing to see Mr. Trump just absolutely stomp the life out of the Democrats and their campaign and to watch the stupid mainstream media go right down the toilet along with the Democratic Party. Because these people are a, are a complete joke. They keep screaming about fake news, but that, that's all this administration has put out. Not that other administrations didn't do it. I'm not real happy with George W. Bush either, or his dad before him, or Bill Clinton, or any of them. 
none of them. The last decent president we had in this country was Ronald Reagan. And Charlotte Ezerbeet says that uh, they used to call him Ronnie the Commie and claims that, that uh, Reagan linked with Gorbachev in, in uh, sort of blending the school system uh, of the two countries together. Yeah. So that we wind up with what we have now, Common Core, which, as Charlotte said, does not train, does not provide training for jobs which don't exist. Look, I got in a lot of trouble with that when I was on Coast to Coast AM, and I got it for a number of reasons, got into that trouble for a number of reasons. I told them global warming, I told people over the air, global warming is a farce, global communism is not. Benghazi was a gun deal that went wrong. Fukushima is a problem that cannot be solved. Sandy Hook appears to be a farce, and other things. John, hang hang on to that thought. We got three. We got a three-minute time out here at the bottom of the hour, Joe. Okay, folks. On this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report, you are listening to radio show host John B. Wells from Caravan to Midnight. Folks, subscribe to Caravan to Midnight. And check out John B. Wells and his broadcast as he uh, does a great job of bringing on uh, guests that the mainstream media won't touch. Trailblazer. Yeah, talking about issues uh, that the mainstream media is afraid to or doesn't have time as they are too busy reading the lines that are written for them. John B. Wells from Caravan to Midnight coming up after this for the next segment. Stay with us. to have with us for the remainder of this segment, uh, John B. Wells, Caravan to Midnight. Folks, go to Caravan to Midnight, subscribe, be a part of the the movement that really digs into the topics that are important to all of us. John B. Wells is a man that uh, stands his ground and investigates the ground on which he stands, and uh, we're all better for it. That's Caravan to Midnight. It's Caravan to Midnight, uh, and, and we're, we're so appreciative to have John B. Wells on with us tonight. Uh, four years ago, December 14th, 2012, it was reported that Adam Lanza, 20 years old, walks into uh, the Sandy Hook Elementary School and allegedly shoots uh, and fatally shoots 20 children between the ages of 6 and 7 and 6 adults at that school. Many questions have been raised about the legitimacy of that incident and with all respect that is due to the victims, survivors, people listening, this is a question. We we, we are, again, we're looking at this. Uh, a lot of this doesn't make any sense and, and John has been on the cutting edge of the investigative aspect of this with Wolfgang Helbig who uh, was scheduled to appear tonight but is not. So uh, uh, John... Uh, uh, was gracious enough, is gracious enough to come in and talk about this because a lot of unanswered questions and since when is it, uh, is it distasteful to answer or to ask questions that need to be asked? It's not. It's, it's, a, it's a matter of importance. And, uh, again, this is to, this is, I'm not going to rationalize any further. We're just looking for the truth on Sandy Hook and other matters. And this against the backdrop, John, of, 
fake news, post-truth politics. What in the world are we looking at here? My goodness, it seems like like we're living in this Orwellian dystopic society where everything is being managed for us. We're from perhaps Sandy Hook to perhaps, uh, well, whatever comes next. So, I mean, this is bizarre, brother. I mean, yeah, it is. Um, <clears throat> well, Doug, to tell you the truth, I think that's that's exactly why the mainstream media and the Democrat Party are losing their minds right now over the election of Donald Trump. It's because of all their stupid yet somehow grandiose plans and their feeble, ridiculous, retarded minds. And people say, oh, you're just being ugly. Let's have a civil discussion. Time for civil discussions over with. Time for civil discussion. Um, as a matter of fact, I can't recognize any of the, uh, the discussions between the left and the right to have been civil on, uh, on the side of the left. They make ridiculous, ridiculous, preposterous propositions. They will not respond to facts. They will not give you a straight answer. They will not listen to you if you present credible, bulletproof evidence to them. In fact, the more evidence you present to them, the more tightly they hold on to their flawed ideology. So I think it's just time to call them the bunch of losers that they are and recognize that they're very dangerous people. From the look on Hillary Clinton's face to the look on Tim Kaine's face, vicious control junkies. These people have already had the fast cars. They've already had the big houses. Bill apparently has had over 2,000 women. It looks like he has HIV in the last stages, by the way. Barack doesn't look so good either. This is all... Look, there is such a thing as breaking the spirit of a country. You can break the spirit of a person, and you can certainly break the spirit of a country. You can go just a little bit too far, and you can ruin a relationship. Just a little bit too far. But hence the expression, the straw that broke the camel's back. At some point, that back will break. But no, you just keep loading stuff onto it. Just one more straw, like that Monty Python picture. One thin mint, and this gigantic fat guy explodes after he has the one thin thin mint. Well, we laugh because it's funny, but we also laugh because it's true. We were being postured for the ultimate spread of six torpedoes right at the waterline amidships. Which is why so many of these freaks were crying, and like that that blimp at who was on there. You got to fix this s now. I do kill myself. It's like go ahead, big loss to the planet Earth, because you, you see these people. Some of these people have a, a megalomaniac complex. It means they have a, they have a god complex. They really do. Some of these mad scientists think that we can be as gods are. In fact, we, I think we are God. Look at all we can do. There are some people who are just so eaten up with themselves, they start believing their own PR, and that's what's happened to this bunch on the left. I really believe that enough people prayed that Mr. Trump became president. I really do. Do I think he's the Messiah? No. Do I think everybody's looking for a Messiah? Yeah. Do I think there's only one Messiah? Yeah. And his name is Jesus the Christ. 
So there's no one man that's going to show up. What, do they think Hitler was the Messiah? Sure, some people did. Some people thought Joseph Stalin was the Messiah. Some people, at least according to the official PR outlets, think that Fidel Castro was a Messiah. And Nelson Mandela was a Messiah. Except for one thing, Mandela's people and Castro's people and Joseph Stalin's people all lived the life of, well, living life in hell. Only you're not dead, you're alive. And Nelson Mandela, the great African statesman, was buddy-buddy with Fidel Castro. They're two communists. And Mandela and his followers killed far more black people than white people because the black people didn't want to go along with them. So they just kill them. Winnie Mandela was a bigger murderer than Nelson, as it turns out. And that country has been driven into into the same condition that California finds itself in, vote-wise at least, not, not murder on every corner, not yet, on every street corner, not yet. But certainly this, did you see where in California there are only two Democrats to choose from in, in uh, one of their elections out there? Because no. whoever gets the popular vote, the top two candidates, they get the most popular votes, you get to vote for one of them. But there were no Republicans on this ticket, on, on, on the ballot, rather. So you can vote, but your vote won't make any difference because you're going to get a Democrat no matter what. South Africa was the test bed for what they want to do to the whole country, and California is the first state to follow that, I'm going to call it, pattern. Do you think a lot so, of these uh, election shenanigans we're seeing now from... The delegitimization of the Trump win from the hacking the claims to the recount are part of the process to get us to where you were just talking about? Well, yeah. What else can they do? They're, um, it, it's easy enough to say they're sore losers, but that doesn't quite cover it. They're desperate losers. Well, Mr. Trump being in the White House with a bunch of hard-hitting, serious businessmen and experienced career men in military and other areas is the worst possible threat because now we're going to find out where all the bones are buried and they know it so they can they can talk about delegitimizing his, his uh, presidency but the only thing that's been delegitimized is uh, themselves and mainstream media that's the only thing they've accomplished and this um, this David Brock and and uh, Michael Moore and, and all these, these operators out there these are deplorable individuals who routinely break the law yeah. Well, well, well not just like Michael Moore, but Michael Moore was talking real sweet about. Well, it'll be an experiment. It'll be a grand experiment. Let's see what Trump can do now. As soon as, but he, but he said it at a time when he didn't really believe that Donald Trump would win. But when he did, then his play nice speech turned to vitriol. That's right. And he reveals himself for what he is. He's just he's just a greedy man that pads his bank account by playing on the stupidity of people on the left. That's all. Look at the millions of dollars that were spent at recount. The only thing that happened is they kept coming up with more votes for Trump. What right. was it, the hacking? Well, no one satisfactorily explained to me why if the Russians were trying to hack, trying to hack our election process and put Donald Trump in there, then why isn't there a single report, not one single report out of 350 million people some of whom voted, what was it, 46% something maybe? Mm, yeah. Nobody has reported one time that a vote flipped from Hillary Clinton to Donald Trump 
No, it was always from Donald Trump. Got flipped to Hillary Clinton. I mean, that's right. Duh. <laughs> well, so, well, not to, me- not to yeah. mention the uh, the Obama call for illegal aliens to go out and vote. Uh, yep. You know, yep. talk about foreign influence on an election. Well, uh, yeah, John. Let me let me ask you where we're at right now uh, with with the push toward the uh, what fifty members now. Uh, I guess if you if you believe the uh, uh, captured media, uh, fifty of the members of the electoral college want to see this classified uh, uh, report about Russian interference. You've got that. You've got the, the the faithless electors. That is, and then of course you've got the inauguration threats by Michael Moore and others. To destabilize that, what do you see taking place here? Do you see things going okay, and all this is just white noise, or do you think that there's something that could happen here between now and the 20th of January? I don't think there's anything more going to happen than uh, the threat of ISIS blowing up polling stations the day before the election and on election day. I think these are the vacuous threats, and I think they are the pathetic thrashings of a dying bunch of morons and their political party. The Democrats and the left are finished. The only way that they can possibly become relevant in any way again is if we don't continue to call them the names they so richly deserve. People who cannot win anything without lying, cheating, or stealing. They are dishonest. They are disingenuous on every level. And I'm not prepared to say that, oh, I've got some good friends that are liberals. I get along with them fine. They're good people. All the liberals that I've met are nasty, ugly, vicious little weenies that are not happy with anything. They are jealous of everything. They think that they have done the earth a favor by gracing it with their birth. And they're mostly useless. I think this is just a bunch of chatter. I think the inauguration is going to go off without a hitch. Do I think they're going to challenge the election? I don't know. Maybe. What about this Christopher Saprune, this idiot of an emergency medical technician in Dallas, Texas, that he's going to vote his conscience. And despite the fact that Trump carried the state, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's going to flip his vote away from Trump. Well, you know what? This guy should be dragged out in the street and, and whipped senseless with a wet sock full of horse manure for being a moron. That's, that's yeah, what exactly. should happen, just like this teacher out there that's talking about how this election was a terrorist attack. And I'll tell you what, the blowback from that, she's now left the state because she's mm-hmm. afraid. Because you see, when you call these people out for what they are, they turn yellow and they run. There weren't any Trump supporters attacking any minorities or anything of the sort. And John, what, you're what, talking a, what about, a load of hogwash. What, They're what liars. You're talking about? Is a, uh, a college student who had his cell phone out and was recording his professor speaking to the class about the state of the country after the Trump election. And the professor came right out and said that Trump's election was an act of terrorism. That's it. That's the one. And what, what does this moron teach? Human sexuality in college? What are you kidding me? They study human sexuality in the dorms every night at college and university. But this person, you know, this is back in the 90s. I went on a trip with a bunch of college people. It was just incidental. I just went along with them that we're going to Greece, uh, presumably to write screenplays. But it was really just a uh, it was a joke. There was a show used to be on called Twin Peaks. A couple of writers uh, from that show, you know, came and uh, held a couple of seminars and people were writing little scripts Took two hours. So it was one of those deals where you're there for three weeks. You spend one day doing some actual work. The rest of the time your tour in the area and there was this um this woman i can't remember 
and I'll just call it, I'll just say it like it is. Probably the most, I can't imagine who this woman could get a date with, even to go out and get a, you know, just get an ice cream cone, and that was it. No further obligation on anybody's part. And her, uh, her, her proposition was that heterosexual sex is automatically degrading to women. And this bimbo is a professor teaching human relations and human sexuality. And I repeat, who professes that regular heterosexual sex is automatically degrading to women. This is the left. They're twisted and stupid. They're like the flat earthers. It's like, well, it says in the Bible that you're called from the ends of the earth. That means from all over. There are no ends to the earth. Don't you have any sense of what's written? Don't, don't you have, can't you, you think you see the deep meaning of everything around you, but you can't see, you wouldn't know a Ming vase if it came up and bit you on your backside. It also says in the Bible, when, when God looks down upon the circle of the earth, see, it's flat, it's flat. Uh, if you look up at a full moon, what shape is that? A square, a rectangle, a star, or a circle? It's this same kind of mentality. It's 2017, and you still have idiots out there who know nothing of science, know nothing of geonavigation, know nothing of aeronautics, have never flown in anything other than a commercial plane or in some little puddle jumper, but they have incontrovertible proof that the Earth is flat. I'm talking to you, David Weiss. I'm over it, man. I am completely over it. These it. people need to be told how we feel. We have had we have had them inflict themselves along with their ideology while getting into our pockets to get the money to fund programs we don't agree with for too long. And I think it's time these people are made to feel some of our pain. And if that's mean, well then put a big M on my forehead before you plant me. But that's how it is. I can only suffer fools for so long. And after that, you either have to tell them just sh shut up and go away. Or if you can, avoid that altogether and just reject them and move away from them. There's only one way to deal with stupidity, and that's distance yourself from it. And so these left-wing progressives need to just be quarantined and their party. You see, we didn't have to do anything to them. They did it to themselves. Good point. They did it to themselves. But, oh, it's racism and misogynistic and all that. It's like, you know, go try that out on your mama, all right? What, it's, just, it's just beyond anything that, that is certainly adult. Okay, so, I'll, so, I'll so John, I, yeah, you think, uh, and, I, and I tend to agree, I, I, I believe that the, the vocal minority uh, has had, I mean, we've had enough of the vocal minority. We've had enough of their, of their, uh, erroneous or, or, uh, uh, hyperbolic claims of racism and bigotry and being misogynist and xenophobes and whatever phobes. Enough of that. We've tolerated this for too long. And I, and I'm, I feel the same way. And, and since when do, uh, 3% of the population, or, or even if you want to just expand that into the snowflake millennials, since when do they, um, are their sentiments more important than, uh, you know, the, uh, um, everyone else's? It's ridiculous at its face. So, so you're, you're, it's refreshing to hear what you're saying. 
And we've got to say this. Somebody's got to say this. Enough is enough. Well, yeah, playing nice with these people. Look, people of that ilk, they perceive civility and tolerance as one thing and one thing only. Weakness. Yep. That's what they see. They see charity as some sort of purging of guilt because, you know, you don't really, you're not really entitled to have a life that's better than somebody else. You shouldn't have a a, a, a Christmas tree or say Merry Christmas because you might offend some Muslim that this excuse of a president brought into this country completely unvetted. This guy was in here for one per, for one reason, one reason only. People keep calling him a Manchurian candidate. I've said this many times on CaravanToMidnight.com. By the way, we've got a special running. You're fixing to get the mother of all newsletters, and there'll be something nice in it for you. So I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you'll join us. I'm a little bit more calm, but when when uh, when Doug and Joe turn me on, well, then I let them have it. This... Yeah. Guy is not a Manchurian candidate. A Manchurian candidate is someone who doesn't know what he's going to do, whether he's going to shoot somebody or blow, blow something up, whatever. He only becomes aware of this when he's triggered by, in the case of Bobby Kennedy, some say the woman in the polka dot dress, or a, a, a song, or like a number station the Russians used to have, they may still have them, where the, the numbers just go out and their sleepers are around, and when they hear a certain set of numbers, then they go into action, something like that even though that's not really a, a good example because they're aware that they're listening for these numbers. Manchurian candidate doesn't know what he's listening for. It's just that when he hears it, that's when he's going to make his move. Barack Obama was a Trojan horse. Oh, look over the wall. Look at that horse out there. Isn't that cool? Yeah, open the gate. Let's, let's, let's roll it in and take a look at it. Oh, dear. What pops out of the Trojan horse? A bunch of Trojans, that's what. And uh, <laughs> and now you now you've got now you've got your enemy inside your castle walls there, and uh, he's killing you. This enemy yeah. is is overwhelming you. So that's what Barack Obama was, and and he's a, and isn't Barack? I believe that was the name of Mohammed's horse. Yeah. Look, all these idiots operate on symbology, or, or I'm not going to say symbology. That's the wrong word. Symbolism and suggestion. The gay rainbow colors on the White House. What a victory. Everybody just, I guess we might as well all turn gay. Because the great President Barack Obama has lit up the White House in gay rainbow colors to signify the importance of this inclusiveness, of this diversity. I say, go back in the closet. <laughs> I don't give a damn what you do at night. I don't care what you do with your pathetic little genitals. And don't try and make it into a political agenda and expect me to go along with it. I don't. It's not normal. Campbell's Soup with that ad they put on there about, uh, I am your father, Luke. No, I am your father, Luke. You got a kid there with two homosexual men. Each of them yes. say, no, I am your father. I'll never buy a can of that, of that Charlie Romeo Alpha Papa ever again. Yep. And that goes for Kellogg's, too, who donated almost 900 and some odd thousand dollars to Black Lives Matter, another Soros front. Black people and white people get along just fine. Now, you go walking through South Central, you're a well-dressed white person, you're liable to attract some grief from some poorly-dressed black people. What did Barack Obama do for, for black people? Give them a phone? What else? Double the debt? It's almost $20 trillion. This guy was put in by New World Order aficionados and, and frankly, orchestrators and operators to destroy this country. He has opened the borders to countless millions of people. They're not just Mexicans. Okay? It's well known they 
money in it. Of course. Anybody who was paying attention saw they permitted a 747 loaded with cocaine to land in the United States. This 747 was operated by the Sinaloa cartel. And they let them do it in exchange for help against the Zetas. Everybody We're taking sides. Yeah. We've taken sides. Yeah. So yeah. this guy was put in place to bring this country to its knees. And believe me, if Hillary Clinton had been able to get in there, why were they pushing her, the Saul Alinskyite, with her crooked husband, well-known in Arkansas? They, those people can't even carry their own state. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. I mean, what does that tell anybody? This guy's a known criminal, and she's a known criminal. Well, why would they want to do business with her? Because she can be blackmailed. Nobody said anything that WikiLeaks release was a lie. They were all true. Well, you affected the election because you released something that was true, but um, but you shouldn't have done it because you did it as a result of a hack. Oh, really? So what you're saying is, if... I don't know if you saw this movie with Brad Pitt in it, but I don't want to give it away for anybody that's there. But there's there's a, a spot in a um, in one of these movies where a guy, I mean, it's just carnage everywhere. And this one guy has managed to conceal himself. And the enemy comes marching through, and one of the enemy soldiers looks and sees him there and just goes on. Okay, now because this, this soldier decided not to kill you, does that mean that you were cooperating with the enemy? Does that mean that you received aid and comfort from the enemy? That, that's that's the point. same argument that these moron leftists are making over, well, they, they hacked the election. We're not, well, I mean, I, I guess it was true. Nobody has refuted the veracity of what was released on WikiLeaks. But it's just the way it was obtained. It just affected our election. You know what I say? Good. What do you want? You want to stare down the Russian bear and his nukes again? How many decades? We've been doing this since 1945, so what's that, 71 years? You want to just continue to, to stare in the face of a potential nuclear war with the Russians rather than, well, Tillerman, Rex Tillerman, he, he did business with the Russians, and, and, and we're afraid of the Russians. I mean, this is, a, oh, God, Doug, it's so pathetic. Where yeah, are it these is, people's man. brains? Wouldn't it be better to get along with Russia than to, like, point our nukes at them and they point them enough at us? Haven't we had enough of that? But that's, that's bad for business, John. Are. John, that, that, that's, bad for, that's bad for the military-industrial complex, man. And you see the left out there criticizing uh, Trump's pick uh, for Secretary, Secretary of State Rex Tillerman. Yeah, that's as, what John was saying. Uh, because the the uh, relationship he has with Russia is yeah. is is positive. Exactly what and John was this saying. Is the yeah, and and this is the le- latest of a series of Trump picks and decisions from bringing jobs to the U.S. that the left has just criticized. And to the generals he brought in, saying he's setting up a military dictatorship, everything good that he has done for the country since he's been in power has just been taken to task by the left. And this latest example is the best example. Amen. Hey, hey, John, we're at the end of the hour here, brother. Tell the people about your special for the newsletter for your or for your subscription service, man. This is a great deal. And for several, it really is. You got a twenty dollar voucher in there. Yep. And um, and you get a year subscription with it. And the other thing is, is that anybody who joins us, it's 60 bucks for a year, and there are over 650 programs in archive already, and they're all well worth listening to. Even if you say, well, you've been doing this for like two and a half years, uh, even more than that, so why would that be relevant? Because you can see the timeline. You can, you can see what was being said on those interviews by some of the same people that, that come up again on programs. So what you have is, is 
events that have led us up to this point, as well as the new shows that we produce Tuesday through Friday, and then on Saturday night, 10 to midnight central time, we do a live radio program on radio station KLIF out of Dallas, Texas, 570 AM, and you can get it on iHeart or, or Streamers or TalkStream Live's got it, Red Nation Rising's got it, uh, a bunch of them. And uh, if you join us for 60, we will send you a copy no handling, no shipping, no nothing. We just send it to you. We'll send you Trevor Loudon's new DVD, The Enemies Within, uh. which names names and reveals all of these operators, communist, Muslim Brotherhood, and everybody else that works to the detriment of this, this country. You have the names. You have your list now of people to watch, and we give it to you with a, with a, a $60 for the year subscription, and that's that brings it down to 40 for the subscription if you want to look at it that way and um six months is 45 bucks so it's it's a great deal and we like to have a little bit of christmas spirit i'm not saying we haven't run this promotion before we have a couple of months ago but we're not the type that's going to keep the prices nice and high up until christmas but then after christmas then we'll drop the prices that doesn't seem very christmas-like so no. we're making a good deal for everybody now and you will you'll definitely enjoy the program I mean, you really will, and uh, we do indeed. Yeah, it, well, it's is. a steal at that price, John. You, you, you a lot did. of people say that it is it is woefully underpriced, but I want to make it available so that everybody, no matter what their budget is, they can do it. You can get in for like uh, uh, the Divine Miss V is here. What what is it for? What is it for three months? Three months? How much? Twenty five bucks for three months. Forty five wow. for. Uh, for six and sixty for the year, and if you go sixty for the year, you get the free DVD. So, my question is, what are you waiting for? Amen, brother. <laughs> there it is. We've reached the end of our time, John. Thank you so much for coming on, John. Be well from Caravan to Midnight. We will talk soon, brother. Thank you. God bless and Merry Christmas to you both and your audience. And Merry Christmas. Have a good night. surveillance my in fact uh chuck and all god bless god rest his soul uh used to be my partner and some days we'd go on for 20 22 hours in uh investigations and sometimes we actually uh we actually did uh 30 35 hours straight in investigations and sometimes it was worth it other times we'd look at each other and just shake our heads and he used to have a saying he said you know some days you get the bear some days the bear gets you, and that kind of reminds me of of this this segment, or I'm not this segment, but uh, uh, this broadcast. Uh, you know, some days you get the bear, and other days the bear gets you. It, very interesting show. Sometimes I feel like my my mind's in a blender um, from the day I had previous or leading up to the show, as was today. A lot of important work to be done. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna be getting to our very special guest on Wednesday, Pastor David Langford from the Voice of Evangelism. But first, folks, you know, Christmas with with Christmas coming, uh, I cannot think of a better gift to give anybody at Christmas than the gift of a sound, restful night's sleep, folks. 
let me direct your attention to casper.com slash CFP radio. Casper, they're an online retail of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. The mattress industry, ladies and gentlemen, has forced consumers into paying notoriously high markups. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers in showrooms and passing that savings directly to you. A Casper mattress provides resilience and long-lasting supportive comfort. There, Casper mattress is one of a kind. It's a new hybrid mattress that combines premium latex foam with memory foam. And you know the cost of mattresses, folks. You can spend uh, you can spend $1,500, well over 1500 But Casper mattresses cost between 500 for a twin-size mattress and, and 950 for a king. We've got the king. We love it. And I've got also a queen-size in my room where sometimes I, I will sleep for uh, uh, when I work late or you have to get up early so I don't disturb my wife. But even at that, even getting out of bed or getting into bed because of the way the mattress is made, my wife doesn't even feel the uh, the movement. Buying a Casper mattress is risk-free. They offer free delivery, free returns. It, it, it comes in the how-did-they-do-that box. That's how it's delivered. And returns within a 100-day period. It's that simple. And, uh, folks, you go, to, you go to a showroom, you're not going to be able to test out a mattress for what, three minutes, four minutes, you're laying on the mattress in the showroom with Casper. A hundred days free trial. It's an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. It's got just the right sink, just the right bounce to the two technology, latex foam and memory foam, of course. They're made in America. Absolutely wonderfully affordable and uh, it's available right now. We've got a special offer for Hagman and Hagman listeners. Go to casper.com slash CFP radio. That's casper.com slash CFP radio. And when with your promo code CFP radio, you get $50 toward your purchase of a mattress. That's casper.com slash CFP radio promo code CFP radio. Joe. We have with us Pastor David Langford from the voice of evangelism heard here on blog talk radio network, as well as uh, his website, The Voice of Evangelism. He joins us each Wednesday evening in the final hour to talk about a number of very important, I'd say this is the most important topic we can get into on our show, is our relationship with Jesus, the spiritual direction of the body of Christ as well as our nation and the world, and, uh, you know, what we can do to better our relationship with Jesus and one of the best most qualified people I've ever met my favorite pastor Pastor David Langford well I'm humbled by that uh, introduction there Joe needless to say I'm just a a man like anyone else but I do love the Lord and uh, I've tried to devote my life to Christ and his service have missed the mark several times but like I always tell people it's a terrible thing to fall but it's the worst thing to stay there you got to get up you got to keep on keeping on so if we if we fail God, He does not cast us aside, but it's our responsibility to get up, dust ourselves off, and get back in the fight. Uh, he said He would never leave us, so if we get knocked down in the fight, we get back up, we keep fighting. We'll be yeah. fighting when He comes, I promise you. And I like what you said last week about regardless of the storm that we find ourselves temporarily in, when you're in a thunderstorm uh, or a snowstorm, and the clouds are are dumping the rain or snow on you. Above those clouds, the the sun is always shining, and the storm will pass. And uh, we always have to keep that in the back of our minds, that no matter what kind of storm in our personal life we're going through, 
that the storm will pass and that sun will come back and shine again. It does every time. Matter of fact, I got that revelation. I was in Florida. This is 25, 30 years ago, and I was playing golf. And a thunderstorm came up very quickly, and we all had to run, get under the golf carts, and get under a shed. And 25 minutes, it was over with. And the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, the sun never ceased to shine. It was always shining on the other side. But that came, that storm came in between me and the sun. And just as soon as the storm passed, the sun rays came right back out. It got toasty warm again. And uh, that's, that's just an encouragement because I know a lot of people are going through a lot of things. And during this time of year, they seem to be more stressful. Uh, people are getting you know bad news because of different circumstances and situations. Uh, Doug, I, I thought about Sean last week, uh, the situation with him. I believe his name was Sean. Um, you know, we ju- we just never know, so it pays to walk with Christ through it all. Uh, you know, the old uh, American Express commercial, don't leave home without it. Well, you need to apply that to Christ. Never go anywhere without him in your life, because we never know what tomorrow might bring for any of us. You know, Proverbs 27, verse 1 says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. We may have our plans for tomorrow. We may have our ideas for tomorrow. But the truth is, tomorrow may not come for some. And uh, whether it's by accident, by divine providence, uh, by a, a, a satanic attack, uh, we, we just don't know about tomorrow. That's why we need Christ in our lives. Because I've come to understand something. The only thing you take with you when you die is your faith. That's the only thing Job said, naked I came into this world, naked I shall return. But there's a spiritual application because man has a spirit and a soul and a body. And, of course, our soul uh, is the the ground where the the battle is fall. It's like a civil war, the north and the south. The United States was the, the ground. The flesh and the spirit are fighting on the soul or over the soul. And whichever one happens to win will be the ultimate destiny of the soul. And uh, it's truly a a civil war in ourselves. So that's why Paul said, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And uh, that's why it's important, because, as I said, we'll be fighting this battle when Jesus comes. Uh, No man is exempt from this battle. We're all in a fight. First Timothy 6.10 or 6.12, Paul said, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold to eternal life. It is something that you've got to fight for. Once you seize it, eternal life, you hold on to it, you never turn loose of it. You know, and sometimes we're harder on ourselves than God is, but I think sometimes being hard on ourselves can be a good thing because you you get sick and tired of failing. I'm sorry? I just said I agree. Yeah, I, 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 but that's an impetus to say this won't happen to me again. I am tired of falling. I'm tired of skinning my knee. I'm tired of uh, being snared. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of it. You know, when people get tired of things in their lives, they usually make a, a change, and hopefully it's for the better. They won't let that, whatever the aberration, the anomaly might be, they, they, they get tired of it having dominion over their lives and they want to be free from it because they, they, they whether they serve it 
or they're held hostage to it, or they're captive to it. The ultimate goal is to get free from it. And the freedom comes through Jesus Christ, and he helps us to retain that freedom and to stay free. And uh, as we get out of his presence, we get away from his word, we get away from his will, that power, whatever that it might be, begins to want to come in and, and take up its place again and have sovereign rule in our lives. And uh, we just we just can't suffer that. No, you're exactly right. And uh, I'm sure anybody who's who's had a walk with Jesus has experienced this, me included, uh, much more often than I have needed to. But you get to the point where whatever it is your your behavior or thought is, the sin in your life uh, is such a hindrance between your growth in the Lord and yet for some reason you continue to do that even in the back of your mind and in your heart you want to love and serve the Lord yet you see how as time goes on how clearly that sin gets in the way and and you let it you know beat you down until you free yourself of it by letting it go and turning it over to Jesus and then from that point on uh, you remember the state how, how you were in that state and you never want to go back and it is a very powerful motivator as to to stay on the straight and narrow well as I've often said when God redeems a person he doesn't brainwash them you know he takes who we are and then uses it for the good and the the reason I'm happy that God does not brainwash us it's a reminder of the past we don't want to go back there we don't want we don't we don't want to relive that we don't want to go through that pain, that hurt, that suffering again. It's a lot of times it's needless suffering. It's, it's mm-hmm. uncalled for, and uh, not everything is a sin. Uh, Hebrews twelve and one, Paul said, "Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us." So everything is not a sin. But it could be a weight, and it hinders. And, uh, of course, that's Satan's objective, is to hinder. First uh, Thessalonians 2, 18, Paul said, Wherefore, even I, Paul, would have come unto you once and again, but Satan hindered us. I mean, even the apostle Paul was hindered by Satan. But that's all he can do is hinder. You know, we, we can get victory over that. Uh, we can be hindered doing a talk show. Something comes up right at the right at the time the show begins, but somehow we get around it, we get through it, and we get there and we we we, we get started. Um, but that's a hindrance or a weight, and we have to be mature enough to navigate that weight or that hindrance, whatever it is. And so it is with our our own personal lives. And um, Paul said these weights and these sins they doth so easily, easily they beset us. Uh, you know, it doesn't take much sin uh, to get a stronghold in a person's life. That's why Paul, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 5 and 7, and Galatians 5 and 9, he said, A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. In other words, you put a little yeast in the bread, um, it, it won't take long, and it permeates all the bread, and it becomes fermented. And so he says, you, you, you got to get that out. Because if you don't, the whole thing, of course, that was the whole uh, 
thought behind uh, the Passover and unleavened bread. Uh, that's why Israel was to purge their houses, literally, and get all the sin out. And, of course, the bread was unleavened bread, typifying the body of Christ. Uh, no sin. And uh, so when we have communion, we partake of unleavened bread, and uh, because that sin is a type of leaven. And uh, Jesus told the uh, disciples, he said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Why? They were all espousing some type of false doctrine, some type of false teaching. So false doctrine is a type of leaven. It will ruin a person if they don't find the truth and they continue to reside in that fallacy, that heresy. And that's why we continue to rely upon the Word of God, because it's always reproving, correcting, instructing us or teaching us how we ought to live our lives. And uh, that's why I'm such an advocate of the Word of God. It's it's my strength, it's my knowledge, it's my understanding, it's my comprehension. Uh, God's Word, as David said, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And if people will embrace the Word, it will truly affect their lives. And it's always timely. God's Word is always timely, but you can't get that Word or receive that Word unless you're subjecting yourself to Bible reading, Bible study, or under a good, solid teaching ministry to help direct you into that place. You know, that's why I just... I learned a long time ago, if I preach the Word of God, I have fed God's people. You know, I can sermonize, and that's not necessarily feeding the people of God. But if I give the people of God the Word of God... I have fed them, and that's that's all that's required of any minister, feed the sheep. He told Peter, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, and that's what we do. And therefore, with proper nourishment, a person can grow and mature, and, uh, and that's what's lacking regretfully in the body of Christ today. Yeah, very much so. Um, people have... have uh been brought up in the church and you know from the time at least I was brought up in church it wasn't a at least in my experience it wasn't a powerful um, you know life changing uh, spirit moving event now uh, praise the Lord that my mom and my father raised me in a household where uh, we believed in Jesus we were taught Jesus outside of, of the church and uh that foundation is something that allowed me to you know I remember being twelve years old and uh saying i want to I want to give my heart to Jesus and um since that point, I've sinned uh, immensely uh so much, but at the same time, there was never a doubt in my mind that jesus uh was you know the bible uh, explained exactly what Jesus was what, why he was here and I believe that I believed in in the whole story and it was so uh very um even for me it was sad to to a degree when I was young thinking why did he have to go through this for all of us but today uh with a a, a little maturity in in faith and understanding in the bible I do understand and it is such a blessing uh, and sadly, you know, us humans with our fallen nature, um, we, we don't do him justice, uh, you know, for the most part. Uh, and I'm speaking about myself. But this generation today is so far removed 
when, when the parents uh, used to go to church out of habit or because their parents took them there, not really investing themselves one way or the other, uh, now having kids and raising them, most don't even attend church anymore. Uh, and, you know, we see so many of this generation today that just disregard the Bible as a myth, as a fairy tale. And a lot of that has, I mean, there's a number of factors as to why that is. Uh, but I remember being in high school and I remember the shock, uh, and mental confusion I went through when our teacher started explaining to us the Greek small g gods, the mythological gods. You know, Zeus and Titan and, and all these different, uh, things that contradicted, uh, my faith in, in Christ. And unfortunately today, the parents have, uh, you know, not done their, their job in, in teaching their children, uh, about Jesus, about the church. They, they see it as a chore more so than, uh, as a blessing. And uh, it is just really sad to see the true apostasy. We have a twofold apostasy. One, being the uh, uh, seeker-friendly churches. Two, being the generation of people who have been turned off by church by the spirit of religiousness their parents had and grandparents had. And no true, uh, very rarely do we find true teachings of Jesus and a church based on and an example of Jesus, and I think the delusion of the uh, of spirituality in, in Jesus has led to this apostasy. And now we find our country morally bankrupt. We see what has happened with our children, the transgenderism. Uh, you know, the worst. I mean, I was a terrible rebellious child, but today, uh, compared to me before, today is so much worse. And it's just going to continue to get worse as people not only move away from the church, but now the government has come in and taken it upon themselves to remove the Lord from all public forms, which makes it that much worse. And, I mean, Pastor, how much further downhill can we go before the Lord says enough? Well, here's what we have to understand. Steve and I were just talking a little bit ago. The world is never going to hear the voice of God unless God speaks to them. Revelation 2.7 says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord hath to say unto the churches. The world is going to do what it's going to do. And I I I don't expect this nation to repent. Anybody that expects America to repent doesn't understand their Bible. Why? Because it's the church. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Jesus did never, not once did he ever say the the world was the salt and the light. He said, you are the salt. You are the light. I, I don't expect people to live like I live until they become born again. Then I expect them to bear similar fruit doctrinally we believe the same we serve the same God we believe the same Bible so our our mindset should be very 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 similar but today you've got a plethora of people that say they're Christians look, look for instance at the Catholic Church 40 percent 
of the Catholics that voted for Hillary Clinton, and she said in the last debate, I am going to appoint pro-abortion judges to protect Roe v. Wade. Now, that 46% that voted for her voted for death and hell. Now, Donald Trump said, I'm going to appoint pro-life justices. So, I'm not expecting, and I, I wouldn't expect Donald Trump, I don't know his walk with God, I don't expect him to do that. I hope he does. But as Paul told us in 1 Corinthians 5, and, and here's one of the great misnomers in the church. I'm not to worry about those on the outside of the church. I'm to worry about those who are on the inside of the church. There was a church problem in 1 Corinthians 5, and it was a young man having sex with his father's wife. Most theologians believe it was a stepmother, but he was committing fornication with her. She was, of course, committing adultery. And Paul said this type of fornication is not so much as named among the Gentiles. In other words, this is the worst kind of fornication that you could imagine. So then as Paul goes through the, the, the fifth chapter of 1 Corinthians 5, as he's concluding that chapter in verse 12, he says, For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? He's talking about outside of the church. Do not ye judge them that are within. In other words, your job is to judge the people that are on the inside of the church. Verse 13, But them that are without, God will judge. I can't run around here worrying about Donald Trump, his appointees on the on the, 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 the uh, his cabinet, who he, who he gets for Secretary of State, Secretary of Defense, et cetera, et cetera. That's not my job. My job is to worry about those who say they're my brother or my sister in Christ, and they live like hell. See, so this is the problem with so many people. They're they're, they're trying to run the world from a dis, the, the disposition of, of it being saved. The world is not saved. The world's not going to get saved. It's not going to happen. You're going to have a boatload of goats, and you're going to have a boatload of sheep. And the church is considered the sheep. That's why he told Peter, feed my sheep, feed the church, the flock of God, which I've made you an overseer to oversee the church, the body of Christ, the flock of God. So my job is to not oversee the world, if, if if God does not deal with them, they're not going to hear a word I say. Yes, we preach the gospel, and the word of God does not return void. But it's up to God to take that gospel and pierce that person's heart and bring them to the saving grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. I know we're at the top of the break, but John uh, 6.44 says, No man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up in the last day. If God doesn't draw a man... He can't get saved. The Spirit has to compel him, convict him. And when the Spirit convicts, that's why that person, whoever they are, they need to respond to that conviction and say, Yes, Lord, I want to give you my heart. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. I want my sins to be washed away. But if God does not deal with them, they're not going to come. See, uh, John uh, 6, 37, 38, All that the Father hath given me shall come unto me. And he that cometh to me, I shall in no wise cast out. Anytime God draws anyone to him, he will not deprive them of divine sustenance and supplement. He will never do that. If he calls, he's going to feed them. If he doesn't call, he doesn't have any need to feed them. I'm not going to get into predestination and election, but those who he calls, 
he will give divine supplement and sustenance to keep them. Yeah, and as far as predestination and election, we had a guest on not too long ago that made the biblical argument that both is true um, based on, on the scriptures in the Bible. Uh, and that's correct. Yeah, yeah. I just don't get into it because sometimes people get confused. Yes. And yes. And, and I don't want to be the one to be the, bringing about the confusion. And it also can be a divisive issue when uh, people aren't fully versed on exactly um, what the Bible says. Folks, you're, you're listening to Pastor David Langford, the voice of evangelism. Uh, do me a favor. Go to thevoiceofevangelism.com. Check out his radio show, The Voice of Evangelism. You can get the archive in case you don't have time to listen live. You can... Uh, get it on a variety of platforms and it is well worth the listen. You like Pastor David Langford once an hour here on the Hagman and Hagman Report? Well get check out his own radio show. It is fantastic. He does just a, a, a incredible job. Folks, we'll be right back with Pastor Langford for our last segment on this Wednesday edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Stay with us. Follow us on Facebook. Uh, follow us on social networking, Facebook, Twitter, uh, both the Hagman Report, uh, and I've got the Twitter presence as well as the Facebook presence as well. And uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. You know, please, let's uh, l- l- let's elevate the visibility across all of the platforms. It's so important uh, when we're fighting censorship, we're fighting the battle, uh, definitely subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you're watching us live on YouTube and you haven't done so, do it right now. I want to thank uh, the listeners yeah. for, uh, and, and you know, turn the show on to your friends. Ask them if they like it to subscribe. We uh, appreciate the listener push that we've, we've had, and our YouTube presence continues to grow, and we can't thank you enough. That's right. Before we get back to Pastor Langford, uh, America's pastor, by the way, and our official pastor, the Hagman and Hagman Report, uh, want everyone to visit TexasReady.net. Have you heard of TexasReady.net? If you haven't, you've been living under a rock, and don't rest on your laurels because you think we've we've got this respite. Uh, you know, preps, preps are ever important right now. While there's a lull, perhaps the eye of the storm, uh, or or just simply if you're putting away preps for a future time gardening. Texas Ready has seeds, the highest quality seeds in the world, and they're ranked the highest for good reason. First of all, they contain regionally appropriate open-pollinated heirloom seeds. Most seed banks don't take into account the geographical differences, but Texas Ready does. Texas Ready uses certified seeds, much more Expensive, much better. Uh, most seed banks companies don't because they cost more. Texas Ready thinks their customers are worth it, and we think our listeners are worth it. And the germination rate on their seeds is just unmatched. If you don't know how to garden, Texas Ready has several excellent reference books that help you grow plenty of nutrient-dense food. 
The gardening encyclopedia. Yeah, absolutely. You can start plants from seedlings, save the seeds correctly, and protect the genetics so you don't inadvertently create hybrids from your heirloom plants. They can keep you out of trouble in the seed world. You, you know, you can buy a seed bank from just about anywhere, but I uh, we only recommend TexasReady.net. That's TexasReady.net. Each Texas Ready seed bank contains over 80 varieties of vegetables and fruits, and, and that includes eight dual-purpose herbs, culinary and medicinal for those purposes. The larger banks, as, as I mentioned, come with the training manuals that teach you how to garden properly. Ladies and gentlemen, go to TexasReady.net. Pull the trigger on this and do it sooner rather than later. Uh, these these seed kits are hard to hard to come by. They're they're flying off the shelves. So get them now. TexasReady.net. That's TexasReady.net. And mention Hagman and Hagman when and, you do it. And last on that, just imagine in a world without commerce, how valuable food will be and the ability to grow your own food. So it is uh, imperative that you make sure you have uh, a seed bank because you don't know what kind of disaster you might find yourself in. And the ability to rejuvenate and not only help your family, yourself, but your community by growing food. Pastor David Langford is our guest for the rest of the show. The Voice of Evangelism.com is his website go there bookmark the website check out his radio show as well as uh everything that he has to offer there and he joins us each wednesday evening in hour three we're halfway through it and we're going to get right back into it where do you want to start now pastor Langford? i want to encourage the people after your advertisement there about staying ready uh that was the key theme and Matthew 25, the ten virgins, five were wise and five were foolish. And when the bridegroom call was made, behold, the bridegroom cometh, go you out to meet him. The wise were the only ones that were ready. And um, I know there's been some disputations about this election, uh, whether it's a reprieve, has God pushed the pause button? I believe he has. Uh, that doesn't mean that we're not going to continue to go down the path. I've watched as he's put general after general on his cabinet. I've watched him put certain people around him that will be fundamental in the event there is a third world war. Uh, we know that the the nascent, the newly birthed Sanhedrin court in Jerusalem has asked Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin to help them rebuild the Third Temple. There's much discussion about now moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Uh, Donald Trump has also said he, too, would love to secure Middle East peace between Israel and Egypt. This is this, All of this is accelerating, and... Uh, you know, God has allowed the enemy to come in for eight years, and he has sown the tares. And the tares are going to grow, and there will become a reaping time when harvest time comes. And so, I look at this, I try to look at this through the lens of God's word. Now, Obama was not a man of war. He wanted to get out of war. Well, Exodus 15.3 says, the Lord is a man of war, the Lord is his name. 
Jesus in Matthew 24, 6, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. And then in the 19th chapter of the book of Revelation, when Jesus is making his uh, second advent, it says in verse 11, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Okay, if God is a man of war, if God is going to make war, he will have to install those who are going to fulfill his will. See? Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, you know, people, the problem with most wannabes, uh, people that think they have the real understanding of this, you, you have to, you can't do this through human reasoning. You, you cannot humanly understand this through your human reasoning or understanding. You have to look at all of this through the lens of God's Word. That's how you will be accurate and your eyesight spiritually will be twenty twenty. It won't be hindsight. You'll see it before. Everybody has twenty twenty in hindsight. But this is this we can see this before if we understand the Word of God. So that's why I'm very careful about what I say and what I don't say. Because I can see right now God I mean, has there ever been a cabinet put together with this many four-star generals? So is God getting the stage set? He's changing the players, he's changing the roles, and he's putting in who he wants to for his divine purpose? See, this is all about God. You know, we're, we're all doing, as Shakespeare said, the world is a stage, we're just playing our part. And, and so I thought, well, you know... He's coming in here. He's wanting Middle East peace. He wants to get that resolved. He's putting all of these generals around him. Israel is saying, help us rebuild the temple. Uh, move the uh, the U.S. embassy from Tel Aviv back to Jerusalem, or to Jerusalem. He's never been there. And they know that's going to create an all-out war, because the Palestinians have declared half of Jerusalem is ours. And, of course, Israel got that east side of Jerusalem uh, in the Six-Day War in 1967. And and so I'm sitting here watching all of this stuff, and, and you have to look at the word of the Lord. And, and Jerusalem and the temple in Revelation 11 and Jerusalem in Luke 21 says it's going to be trodden down of the Gentiles until the Gentiles be fulfilled. Well, the Gentiles will stay in control until Christ returns. Go back and read Zechariah chapters 12, 13, and 14. Jerusalem is going to become rifled. Half the city is going to be overtaken, and the women are going to be ravaged. It's going to be all-out war. The Antichrist is going to attack. Go back to Daniel chapters 10 and 11. He's going to attack Egypt. It says Edom and... and, uh, and uh, the Moabites, uh, and in your in your map, if you look at your old typical New Testament map, and then you go back and you look at today's map, what you will see is that Edom and Moab is really Jordan and Saudi Arabia. If if you look at how it was in in the days of Jesus Christ, the New Testament, what we call the New Testament maps, and you go back and read. Daniel's chapter 10 and 11. And who is who is the most favorable countries right now to Israel? The Jordanians and the Saudis. Well, when the Antichrist starts this, this great war in the Middle East, 
It says, but these, Edom and Moab, shall escape his hand, but Egypt will not escape. And then, of course, he will ultimately set his, his palace up there in Jerusalem and, 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 and break the covenant. So I'm sitting here saying, okay, here we have, the, here we have Israel wanting to interact with Donald Trump. And if anybody saw the uh, 60 Minutes Sunday night, Benjamin Netanyahu said emphatically, I know Donald Trump, I know Donald Trump well. He's a friend of Israel, he's a friend of the Jews. So, you know, God is, to me, maybe changing the players and resetting the stage, but the end results will remain the same, because God's word is not going to change. So, we just need to be very careful in what we say and what we do for the sake of erring, because we don't know the scriptures. But everything Donald Trump is saying is, is really lining up with the Word of God. So um, the bottom line is you don't want to be found fighting God because God's going to get his will and his way, whether you like it or not. And, and that's what we're all subjected to. But after watching uh, the interview the other night and reading what I've been reading in the last few weeks, I can see how God is just changing the players, resetting the stage, but his will is going to be divinely wrought. Yeah, uh, I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, I don't know, um, we have about 16 minutes left in this segment. Pastor, uh, if we want, if you don't mind, we can switch gears here. There's something I've been wanting to ask you sure, go ahead. since earlier today. And I don't know if you want to get into this or not. If not, we can save it for another show. Um, something I've been I've been studying, and I have studied in the past, and uh, Matthew 13, the parable of the wheat and the tares. Um, I know this is uh, something that people have. Uh, it's a very common parable. It's probably one of the more well known. But I kind of wanted to go through it a little bit and get your take on this. Even though it's it's somewhat self-explanatory, since the uh, explanation is even given in the scriptures by Jesus Himself, um, and, and there's just a few things that people I've seen uh, go back and forth on, um, but uh, a few things about the wheat and the tares, and and we can kind of lay the groundwork for this, is that uh, Jesus Jesus explains the the world. He talks about the world, and he talks about the uh, the wheat and the tares growing together. Uh, the wheat being that of, of God, and the tares being that of the evil one. Uh, I guess it's called the parable of the sower. And um, you know, there's a field, the seeds are planted, and while they slept, the evil one came and planted the tares along with the wheat. And they ask him, you know, why don't we just t- take the tares and the uh, the wheat and pluck them up together? And uh, they say, no, we can't. He said, no, we're not going to do that, uh, lest we damage the wheat. And it says in the Bible that the the tares are taken away first, and uh, the wheat are gathered into the barn. And this is Matthew chapter 13 verse 30. Let both the uh, let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, who are the angels, gather together first the tares 
and bind them in the bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Um, and many people think that, uh, and, and uh, I'd like your interpretation on this. Is from what you understand, is that saying that the evil ones will be gathered away from the earth first, and then the wheat taken into the barn, or is this something that happens simultaneously? The wheat are taken and protected while the tares are removed from the earth. I, I believe it's a simultaneous event because it deals with harvest. Uh, if okay. you go back and study a tear, a tear while growing, it looks just like wheat. But when it becomes fully grown, its ears are long and the grains are black. And then that's why you can't put the two together because the tares is, is bitter and poisonous. Wheat is golden, but tares only show their true color as they get ripe. And, you know, we don't have time to get into Revelation chapter 14, where the Son of Man, uh, I believe that's Jesus Christ, uh, in, in, uh, in Revelation 14 and 14, I looked and beheld a white cloud, and upon the cloud set one like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and his hand a sharp sickle. What does he do? He thrusts the sickle into the earth, and he begins yep. to reap. Okay. The, the the angels, according to Matthew 24, are going to be the ones that help do the reaping. That's why he tells the uh, the disciples here they were going to they were going to pull them up. He said, "No, you you don't know the difference. And when you go to do this, you're going to you're going to tear up good wheat. And I don't want you to do that. And so in Matthew 24, to show you how synonymous all this is, Matthew 24." 31, and he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So he, 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 the angels are going to come do this because they understand, Ezekiel chapter 9, the angel went through the city and marked everyone that sighed and wept over the abominations. The angel with the inkhorn put a mark on them to delineate between who was righteous and who was unrighteous, who was godly, who was ungodly. And so the angels can see this in the spirit, of course. And that's why they're going to gather the tares. And it's a simultaneous event. I'll tell you how, I'll tell you how close it is. It's, it, remember in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now, how does Christ return? 2 Thessalonians 1, 7. He returns in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he comes with angels, as a matter of fact, in that, in that 2 Thessalonians 2, 1, uh, 2, uh, 1 and 7. Excuse me. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7. People will read that one. Uh, chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. But going back to Matthew 3, 11 and 12, then John said in verse 12, whose fan is in his hand... He will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. That's the same identical thing Jesus said here in Matthew thirteen thirty. Let both grow together until the harvest. That's Revelation chapter 14. And in the time of the harvest, just at Christ's second advent, I will say to the reapers, the reapers are the angels, Matthew twenty four thirty. Gather ye together first the tares, 
and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Okay, going back to Matthew 3 and 12. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire and gather the wheat into the garner or to the barn, the building, however you want to use the mm-hmm. word garner there. So, you know, the, 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 the synonymous motif and theme is all through the scriptures, but that's, that's really what it is. And, and, and when it says here in Matthew 13, they wanted to know who done this. He said, an enemy hath done this. Mm-hmm. This is this is the same identical phrase in the Hebrew in Genesis 1 and 2, when the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. The two Hebrew words, botu and hotu. God didn't do that. The enemy, Satan, did that. Satan is the one that yep. did that. And, and that's what Jesus says there. in this parable. He said, the enemy hath done this. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I, I agree with you 100%, and I have two follow-up questions that I have uh, gathered from emails and other uh, commentaries of people trying to explain this in different ways that is not in context with the Bible. One, the wheat and the tares, saying that the, the field was, uh, uh, they spread the seed in the field, and an enemy came in, and while the wheat was planted, the tares were planted also, and they grew together. Uh, some argue, and I don't know, it's obviously not a salvation issue, but people argue that this proves that the sin in Eden was sexual because of the two, of the dual seed lines, good and evil, the children of God and the children of Satan. And, um, I don't know if you want to get into that, we don't have to. No, I, I just, I don't believe that's a bunch of baloney. If you go back and reread the text, Adam knew Eve, she born mm-hmm. Abel, and then she birthed, I mean Cain, then she birthed Abel. It doesn't even, they were twins. And the secret to that, understanding that mystery, every time a fallen angel slept with a, a human woman, they had giants. Yeah. Why wasn't Abel, excuse me, why wasn't Cain a giant? Great point. Great if point. Satan did sleep with her, why was he not a giant? He said, am I my brother's keeper? There was no aberration. There was no anomaly about either two men, either one of them. So yeah. that serpent seed doctrine, to me, it, it's it's spiritual seed, which one is, is corruptible, one is incorruptible. That that is of the devil is, is corruptible. Peter said the incorruptible seed, that's the seed of the Word of God through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And so, so ex- which, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Pastor, to interrupt you, uh, but that explains First John uh, chapter three, verse twelve, where yes. it talks about being not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew him, he him, because his own works were evil and his brothers were righteous. So when he's saying that not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, he's not saying as, from that from a paternal. Uh, no, it, it's like okay. Jesus said in John eight forty four to all of those Pharisees. He said, "Ye of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do." Satan did sleep with all those men's mothers. <laughs> yeah, you see what I'm saying? Yes. But it's because that's that's who they were serving. This is this is about service. Matthew six twenty four. No man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You, that this is a, this is about service. Who are, who are you serving? 
And of course, uh, I, Steve and I talked about this probably a year and a half, two years ago on your and your dad's program one night. Those seeds, and this is really going to blow you some people away. Those were the Ishmaelites. Those were the Ishmaelites. Uh, there is the true Israel of God. And then there are those who are not the Israel of God. Romans 9 and 6. Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. See? But so this then, is Moses. Moses. Uh, and uh, uh, I'm sorry, I can't think. When he had the, the, the baby with, uh, not Sarah, but with the servant. Abraham when he slept with Hagar. Abraham, Abraham, I'm sorry. Abraham yeah. slept with Hagar. See, she, that was not the promised seed. Sarah coerced him to sleep with Hagar, her handmaiden, because they were well past the age of having children. And so God allowed them both to be totally become impotent. He was impotent. She, her, her womb was barren. And he said in Genesis 17, I will return unto thee the time of life, or 18. And at this time next year, you're going to have this child. And so he returned to them. He had to physically rebuild her body, her mammary glands, her uterus, her womb. Uh, she had to be able to nurse a child. So it was, it was, a, it was a, a lot of work on Sarah's part to be able to have a child and bear that child. But I believe when we read there in John 8, when he said, you're of your father of the devil, I believe most of those whom he was talking to were Ishmaelites. That's why you have Jews in Israel that are not the Jews of God. They are mm-hmm. Ishmaelites. They're not the promised seed, see? And, 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 and God and, still promised them, uh, you know, to be a, a He did a bless great them. Teacher. He sure did. Yeah. He, he sure did. But though he blessed them, the key is they were not the promised seed. Isaac was the promised seed. That's why Paul said in Galatians 3.29, If ye are Christ, then are you Abraham's seed, Understanding the blessing of redemption is in Christ, not in Abraham. That's why he put Christ first. If ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed. Because Jesus was of the seed of Abraham. Blind Bartimaeus said, Thou art thou son of David. The whole lineage, the whole uh, uh, bloodline would be traced all the way back to Abel. See? Which was what was ordained of God. And again, you get into predestination, you get into election, and it, it, it confuses people. The, the bottom line is when the Spirit of God deals with you about your redemption, about your soul, respond. You know, uh, Romans eleven twenty six says, and all Israel shall be saved. Well, what does that mean, all Israel shall be saved? The Israel of God. That, that, that See, there's the Israel that's not of God. That's what Paul meant. See, they are not all Israel that call themselves Israel. See? So, you know, it's, it's, they're, they're what I call secular Jews. They're, they're not really bloodline Jews. They're just secular Jews. Yeah, I know, I know exactly what kind of people you're talking about. I uh, know a, a professional guy who I deal with who says he is, is Jewish but does not uh, know. Uh, he, he's not read the Torah. Yeah. Or does he practice the Torah? Yeah. Or he has the Talmud on the other side, right? Um, and you know, he was asked me questions about that. And this is a very well-educated uh, doctor, and um, you know, he just had had no idea, and he had some 
some misconceptions as beliefs and I just keep encouraging him to to read the Bible but uh it, it didn't seem he went, went you know would go in that way um and, and well, it's hopefully the spirit effective. of God will deal with him yes absolutely um and, and you know like like many of us at some point and some of us today uh you know people are caught up uh they don't see the spiritual world they don't consider eternity they don't consider their creator and they are so caught up in this world and the things of this world the materialism and the money that they feel they have no need for god and sometimes unless something bad happens where they'll say a prayer and you know please god if it, if you fix this or get me out of this uh, i'll do this differently never coming to do that but you know god will work on their hearts um and and it as you said last week, you know, God said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever. That's right. And that's why when the spirit does deal with a person, they need to respond in repentance. You know, even Christians can backslide, Revelation 2, 4, and nevertheless I have somewhat against it, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, whence thou art fallen, and repent. You have fallen from grace. Now you need to repent, get back, back right with God. Samson that's fell out the hard God. part. Yeah. Yeah. That, that that admission is what's tough. Yeah. The admission that, is what's tough. And then once you're sent free by the Lord, uh, it gives you a feeling, uh, you know, like nothing else. And you, you get to the point, really, and it's not a, a long period, but you don't, you just never want to go back to that because of uh, what God has shown you, of what he's done in your life. And it can happen in the blink of an eye. It can happen in a matter of days. But the one thing we have to remember as Christians is uh, we can never give up. We can never stop. No matter how much we fail, we always need to hit our knees. We always need to repent. And we always need to get up the next day and try to do a better job. As you said last week, you know, stop sinning for a minute. Stop sinning for five minutes. That's it right. starts somewhere. That's right. It does, you know, a house isn't built overnight, as you no, said. No, sir. Uh, and you're exactly right. Pastor Langford, we've reached the end of our program tonight. I want to thank you so much for the blessings that you bring to our show. And uh, we hope you have a good week. Thank you so much. I want to encourage everybody to stay prepared because we don't know what's going to happen here in the coming weeks and months. God bless you Absolutely. all. Absolutely. God bless you too. That was Pastor Bye. Langford from The Voice of Evangelism. The Voice of Evangelism also heard live on Global Star Radio Network. You can hear his show on Global Star Tuesday and Thursday at 5 p.m., as well as Blog Talk Radio, the voice of evangelism. Until tomorrow, stay safe. God bless. Have a good night.